Hey, everybody here. Welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. Uh, this week's guest, awesome, awesome guy, uh, was one of my college roommates, one of my best friends. I've known him for, gosh, 20, 25 years now. His wife, Susan, their two boys, Marco and Dominic. We vacationed with them about a year and a half ago uh, to uh, Italy with my family. So uh, Greg Beato, he's uh, an amazing individual. He's a physician, internal medicine, sports medicine. He's the men's uh, head basketball uh, team physician at Virginia Tech, as well as women's soccer. Um, we've been close. It's it's fun because anytime that we're away from each other for a while, as soon as we're back together, even you know during this session, uh, we, we just get right back in tune with one another. So stick around, stay tuned. And remember, you want to watch Sawbones Challenge. It's going to be a little different because this is a virtual episode, but it's still fun. Have a great day. See you soon. Everybody, Dr. Ryan Molly here, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, businessman, entrepreneur, uh, but most importantly, loving husband and father of three young, busy boys uh, that are very active. But fortunately, right now they're pretty quiet and they're staying upstairs. So um, this is a really cool episode. I've been looking forward to this for a while. As you can probably tell, this is going to be a little bit different in terms of the, the layout, the way it looks. This is our first Hey Sawbones uh, podcast where. We have a virtual guest uh, just due to proximity and where, where he lives, but super close friend of mine, one of my best friends, one of my college roommates. Um, he's an unbelievable individual, uh, personally, professionally. Uh, love him to death. He has a great family. Um, without further ado, Dr. Gregory Beato. So welcome aboard, Greg. How are you? Yeah, great. So excited to be here with you, Ryan. I know it's been a uh a lot of podcasts for us and for you and, and just looking forward to answer some questions and um, get to know, get to know what's going on in your yeah. life currently. So Greg, as we always do at the beginning of these podcasts, um, I always like to kind of introduce my guests, but have you introduce kind of who you are, where you're from uh, so that they can get a better, you know, maybe 30,000 foot view of, of kind of who you are, where you grew up, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll get into more of the, the details with the individual questions. 
Yeah, sure. Um, I'm originally from Rochester, New York. I went to Rondequoit High School there and I have an older, older brother, older sister. I'd like to give a shout out to Mary. Mary's uh, 50th birthday today. Happy birthday, Mary. Uh, that's my sister. So, Jay, uh, can you put Mary some confetti Healy. up in the air? Maybe some fireworks, things like that. Yeah, blow it up. Yep, blow it up. She's had a tough few months and uh, I'm just really excited for her birthday today. Uh, my parents, uh, Al and Carol, still live in the Rochester area. And so, you know, we're originally from Rochester. Um, as you know, obviously went to Mercyhurst College in Erie, Pennsylvania, where I met my wife, uh, Susan, uh, at the time, Susan Gonham, and, and obviously uh, met Ryan. And we did uh, athletic training, um, pre-med. I played volleyball at Mercyhurst. So that was the really exciting time to get me to Mercyhurst and uh, through helped me get through Erie, all of the uh, fun and excitement at Mercyhurst and volleyball and athletic training was really what it, what it boiled down to. So right after Mercyhurst, I went to Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. Um, Susan went to physical therapy school just over the bridge in New Jersey. And after PCOM, I went to internal medicine residency in Delaware, Christiana Care Health Systems, big hospital in, outside Philly. Um, that was three years there. And then one year got me down to Blacksburg, Virginia, one year the primary care sports medicine fellowship. So that's where I am now at Virginia Tech in uh, Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, been here ever since 2008, um, which is crazy to think about, but time flies. So I've been in Blacksburg since 2008. Um, do you want me to go into my, into my practice and, and what yeah, I'm doing Yeah, I'll now? probably get into more of that when we go into kind of the individual business questions. Okay. So... Um, again, I yeah. kind of, I wish you were sitting right here in this chair next to me. It's a lot more fun when we can do this in person. Cause we can, mm. we can share a, a cocktail or a glass of wine or whatnot. But, um, what are you drinking there? I saw you had a red solo cup or something. Uh, just a way. Yeah. Just, I'd like to support the oh. uh, women's basketball team at Virginia Okies. tech. I'm sure you were stuck to the TV watching uh, a last minute buzz, basically buzzer beater victory this afternoon for the lady Hokies over NC State. It was uh, the whole family was there. It was the first ever sellout for women's basketball at uh, Castle Coliseum, wow. Virginia Tech. So that was pretty pretty neat. I've been I've been with the women's basketball team uh, for our seniors' first freshman year, and then I switched over to cover the men's um, three years ago. So we Susan and I know the the ladies on the team really well, and just I mean it, it's been amazing to see the program turn around with Coach. Brooks do you cover and, them or do you just um, cover the men's? Just, Nope, just cover the men's. Yep, so we can just go as uh, spectators. That's be fun, right? Um, no, no responsibility. And just really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's it was unbelievable today. I mean, literally, when I came to Virginia Tech in 2008, there might be 2,000 fans in oh, the wow. stadium, and there was 9,000 um, today. Wow. Is that so, your capacity? Uh, just an there? awesome game. I mean, yeah, I think it's right around 9,000 to maybe 9,300, okay. something like that. So it was the first ever sellout uh, for, a, for a women's do, basketball game. Do all the men's game typically so, sell out, or is it just dependent upon the opponent? The big games. Yeah, the big games. I mean, the better we are, the more they're going to sell out. But our ACC games, UNC, Duke, UVA, they'll, they'll pretty much sell out um, you know, every year. I mean, if, we're, if we have a great year, more of the games are going to sell out. I mean, it's just kind of nature sure. of the beast with that. But um, – yeah, I, I mean, it was an amazing game, not just a sellout, but, I mean, an exciting game, a game that's going to build on for the whole Are season. Are they having so, a good year? 
the women are ranked 13th uh, in the country. Uh, NC State was ranked oh, third. Wow. They were undefeated, one of the last three or four undefeated teams, uh, you know, ranked high in women's basketball. So we they are not undefeated any longer. Um, so obviously we'll move up. You know, the women women's team went to the Final Four last year in Dallas, Texas. Um, and so I think that's a very um, possible uh, yeah. repeat. It's in actually it's in Is Cleveland. It really? So, you know, maybe the Molly group could come and join us. For the when would, I mean, I'm sure it's, is it in April? Early April, like April. So similar to the men's. So, yeah, it's the, the men usually play, what, Saturday, Monday, and I think the women play maybe Friday, okay. Sunday, the same weekend. Yeah, but they, yeah. they're not at the same location, correct? Correct, okay. right. Yeah, where's, where's the final yeah, four last this year? year so this spring. You know? I'm not sure the I'm not sure the um, the spring 2023. So this past season, there were more people at the women's final four than the men's final four, and they were both actually oh, wow. in Texas. The men were in Houston, I think, and the ladies were in um, Dallas. But I, I do not know where the men are. This Got week. it. If obviously, if the men men's uh, Virginia Tech basketball team is playing in the final four, I will be with the men's basketball team. Yeah. So that will be. Well, awesome. again, we would normally have our little beverage break here. I'm just drinking. So I'm just Dane. drinking water. Just yeah, I, I got question. some plain old water here boring. too, and, and celebrating the Steelers getting into the playoffs with uh, their typical. If you win and someone else loses and this and that, and I mean, quite honestly, though, are they in? They're, they're in because the Jaguars lost to the the Titans. Oh wow! Okay. And, and I mean, I haven't been following anything. They're today. ten and seven, right? Decent record, and they should have won two more games. I mean, they lost to the Patriots. And they lost to the Cardinals, right? So it was kind of like, eh. But uh, yeah. they're not a good team. I mean, I'm, I'm still obviously a Steelers right. fan, but I don't think they're going to do anything. And then did you see T.J. Watt got injured? I read the bottom line. He's out for a couple of weeks, I guess, MCL or yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, you, you never know exactly the extent medically, but they were saying a grade three MCL, which to me is like uh, it's a complete rupture. So I don't know how you're coming back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So. Wait, do you mean the the reported injury news is not one hundred percent factual all the time? I guess that's the 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 presumption I'm making right now. It's not a Virginia Tech, I can tell you that, much, but we won't talk about that. So, so Greg, the format I know we kind of talked about it a little bit through text message, but um, you know, you'll ask me three business questions and three personal, and then we'll turn the tables and. That's the more fun part because, again, um, I think my guests are probably bored because a lot of the questions may get repeated, but, you know, I'll try to jazz it up a little bit, and then we'll get to learn more about Greg Beato. You ready? That's that's what America wants. (laughs) So fire away. (laughs) Well, I I thought that the – as a selfish reason, you know, I, I've, I text you every so often um, asking some orthopedic questions and some – joint replacement questions, because I, I do a lot of non-surgical orthopedics in my office. I do injections, um, you know, hyaluronic acid, those kinds of things. And I thought that uh, it would be good for uh, patients as well. But also for me, you know, what do you expect from primary care doctors on referring, you know, when to refer, what should be done ahead of time? For a patient that we think needs a knee, you know, needs a knee replacement, needs a hip replacement. What what would you like to see your primary care, you know, colleagues do ahead of time, or or would you like them to not do anything? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I, I would say maybe what not to do is is an easier way to 
to yeah. answer that question. I don't need an MRI. There are very, very, very few instances that I ever order MRIs. I would say of all the joint replacements that I do every year, maybe five out of, you know, eight to 900. Um, and, and if I do need that, I, I would say like, let's save the healthcare system and let me order it. Um, because it's not going to change anything, plain x-rays. And then the same thing too is like, you can get x-rays obviously in your office and this and that, but I would maybe just say, tell your patients that, you know, when you go, like specifically our practice, we are always going to repeat x-rays because we have a very specific series of x-rays that we're getting um, because different patterns of arthritis show themselves um, on different views. Like for instance, if you had isolated um, lateral compartment arthritis, a Rosenberg view or a PA flexed where you're shooting the x-ray from behind with the knees flexed about 45 degrees um, or 30 degrees is going to um, show that disease pattern better. Whereas if you just have a standing x-ray, they may look like they have normal x-rays. Um, injections. I mean, I, I get it. Like PA, uh, certain primary carers are very comfortable doing joint injections, particularly the knee. I think it's a pretty easy joint to inject. Um, hips, I, I would probably leave that. I think you would be very good at that, especially, do you use ultrasound, Greg? No, I, you know, I wish I got into that training, but that started kind of standard several years after my primary care. So I'm, I'm picking up a little bit, but no, I, I don't think I would not do an intraarticular yeah. hip. You know, personally, I don't think many primary care sports docs would, unless they're doing ultrasound yeah. guided. Yeah. Um, and that's probably makes sense, you we know? I leave it to the ortho. We, we don't even do it under ultrasound. We do it under fluoro or, or X, I guess not fluoro, but X-ray. So we know exactly the fact that it's actually going yep. in the joint. But, um, you know, other than that, um, I, I would just, my, my message, especially where we're practicing, we have such a large catchment area. I mean, it's three hours every direction. So um, most of our referrals aren't necessarily from primary care doctors. Occasionally we'll get them, uh, but they're more just kind of word of mouth. Um, we do, um, self-referred, self-referred. Yeah. Or, or, so, it, oh, okay. you know, the, okay. you did my neighbor's hip or knee or, or this or that. Uh, obviously we, we greatly appreciate yep. there's, there's a couple like heavy hitter referring docs in the area. There's a couple up in Erie that, um, send stuff our way. And, um, I, I quite honestly, they just kind of like send it to us and they let us do it. Um, the, the way that we typically do it and in order the test that we think are, are necessary, which are usually pretty rare. We, we have x-ray in our office. Yeah. Well, my take home from that, that's helpful for me. I mean, I think it's, it's good for me to, um, not warn, but, you know, preface that yes, we've done x-rays. Like I will have absolutely already done x-rays. I kind of have a sort of unwritten rule that I'm probably not going to inject a joint if I haven't done an x-ray ahead of time. Um, you know, I think that's just the safest way to go. I mean, not a hundred percent, but, um, so I've probably done x-rays and I think it, it's good for me to probably, you know, change my, just, Hey, ortho is probably going to, cause they do, I mean, they're a hundred percent going to repeat yeah. x-rays. Why not just tell them that ahead of time? Um, uh, so the patient's not questioning, you know, you all and slowing things down in your office. Um, what do you think? So how about steroid shots? Yeah. I'm, gl I'm glad you went there. Um, ahead of knee hip especially knee you know do you, are you going to wait three months are you going to wait six months do you do you have a a preference on that or and is that a standard thing that all orthos follow i would or say all orthos 
typically follow in bare minimum three months. So 90 days from last intraarticular injection into the affected joint. So if you had one into your right knee, but we're doing your left knee, you can do the left knee replacement anytime. But yeah. um, recently within the past six months, um, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and several other um, uh, papers have shown that the risk is still elevated even up to six months. So we as a practice um, have decided that we are um, no joint replacements uh, within six months of a steroid injection directly into the affected joint that we're operating on. Yeah. And I mean, because quite honestly, I tell my patients, short of dying after a, a hip or knee replacement, the absolute worst complication, in my opinion, is, is an infection. They're disastrous. They're for, yeah. for the patients, for the surgeons, for everybody involved, uh, for the healthcare system. It's, it's a huge, huge uh, drain on, on the system financially. And, and the patients, it's, it's, you know, a good year of your life that has just been chewed up. Mm -hmm. yep. and, and I tell patients good. like once you're kind of like at that point where, you know, you want to have a joint replacement, don't do any more steroid injections, like just stop. Yeah. Just do the joint. Yeah. Just yeah. go do it. Now there is that period, right? So if they had a joint injection, say in December and they can't get their, their joint replacement for six months, say June, um, we do have some cool alternatives that we can start using. Have you heard of uh, Iavera or cryoneurolysis at all? No, not specifically. I, my next question was going to be about alternative injections, regenerative medicine. You know, there's some data on PRP. I know you're seeing severe end stage disease in yeah. general. Uh, but no, what, so, yeah, what's, so Iovera what's, uh, um, is a procedure where we actually started doing this about seven months ago and we do it for all of our knee replacement patients, uh, two weeks and a couple days before their upcoming joint replacement surgery. What it does is it goes in and around the knee and it, uh, literally temporarily kills the nerve, uh, by freezing it. Um, there's a handheld device hmm. that has very short needles that go in. Uh, we know kind of the superficial, uh, anatomy through mapping of the nerves and where they're located based upon landmarks and measurements off of the patella and the joint line. Uh, but my PA, Jake, who does all of our Iavera treatments, he's actually become very, very proficient with ultrasound use. So he can see those nerves and he can know that he's directly hitting those nerves. So we do that before surgery mm -hmm. and the literature, this is not new. This has been out since I believe 2013. It was originally, um, put out there in the plastic surgery world kind of as an alternative to Botox because, you know, as, as Botox, it kind of like causes those uh, impulses from that nerve to, to relax. So the tissue relaxes. Well, this is, um, it's not a chemical reaction because it's literally, it's no, no medication that's getting injected. It's literally an ice ball that freezes once the, the needle is right next to that nerve. And then you'll get, you know, Wallerian mm -hmm. de degeneration for the lay people out there. That's just the nerve will from the point of freezing to the point of where it innervates the tissue, it will actually degenerate and essentially die temporarily. It's still intact. So over the next 90 days, it takes about three months. Those nerves will regenerate along the tract because the tract is still there. The nerve's still there. It doesn't like disappear, uh, but it's been shown to reduce the amount of pain after a, a knee replacement by up to 50%. And it's been shown to have uh, reduced the amount of opioids necessary after a knee replacement by up to 50% as well. So it's, it's a pretty big deal. With yeah. regards to the other stuff, um, I, quite honestly, I leave that more to the great Coppola's, more to yourself. I know my lane. 
And yeah. I, I've never gotten into the biological stuff. I, I think it, there's definitely a role for it. I don't think there's really a role for it in end-stage osteoarthritis, but there's a lot of yeah. pain generators when, when we're dealing with um, joints, right? It's not necessarily always the bone touching the bone. It could be the surrounding soft tissues. And I think that's really where the biologics um, have a role. But mm-hmm. I, when people are saying, hey, we're going to inject this, whatever it may be, and it's going to regrow cartilage, I've never found a chemical on planet Earth that's been able to do that. Yeah. I mean, have you been, have you seen knees? Well, I'm sure you have seen knees that have had PRP, stem cell, and, you know, those, those therapies that maybe worked for a while, maybe didn't work at all. Like when you're in there, do you ever, do you ever say, oh, look, this knee is, it looks different or it just kind of all looks like bone on bone severe? You, you know, I've only probably had yeah. a handful of those. Um, surprisingly, I think I, I, I would have thought I would okay. have seen more. Now, I do think it's maybe not fair because the people that end up coming to me, it obviously didn't work, right? Or maybe it worked for a period of time right. and then it stopped right. working. But um, right. I, the right. people that it does work for, um, I, I think my personal belief is that it's not because it's regrown cartilage because I just don't think that happens um, with, with that. Like, how is it going to just adhere down and start to regrow right there? It, to me, that just doesn't make yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, it's not doing that. Um, yeah. But I think there's other biochemical processes that may go on that may make it feel better. Right. Um, but I've, I've not noticed anything in, in the handful of cases that I've seen where – it's like it looks yeah. different. Yeah, I was just I was curious about that because I I think I don't know what the climate is in Erie and Meadville in that area of regenerative regenerative medicine. I mean, obviously Dr. Kobla is doing a lot, and, and I'm sure there's a, a handful of other people doing it. But in theory, and if the literature is correct, which it may or may not be, I mean, you can stave off seeing Dr. Molly four, five, six years. Well, we haven't probably been doing stem cell and those intraarticular things for that long. So you wouldn't have seen the lifespan of those stem cell uh, injections yet. So you might see them, you know, three, four, five years down the road. Yeah, I have seen a couple things on like LinkedIn with uh, like the disastrous complications, um, uh, mainly in the hip, a couple cases in the knee where um, it actually induced like osteonecrosis. And like this patient had this $10,000 cash pay procedure to, to help their hip that was bone on bone arthritis. What was, what, what did they do? I, I, I'm, I, gosh, what it, I wish, I wish I knew off the top of my head what the, um, what right. the injection was, if it was bone marrow aspirate stem, uh, stem cells or some other type of, but it was yeah, a biological some sort of regenerative. Yeah. And, um, the couple cases that I'd seen, obviously you're seeing the bad cases, right? But it, it induced like right. rapid onset osteonecrosis, which is just where the bone dies and um collapses and it was like well we we probably should have just Not done good. a hip replacement before i mean it's like monday morning quarterback stuff but um yeah but yeah so what else yeah i mean those were my three that i wrote down that i wanted i wanted to address you want to you want to do go, some personal, uh, personal yeah. now you do personals then we'll, we'll yeah. turn that table um I wrote down a few that are probably not PG really. <laughs> Connie Molly's watching. So we're gonna and, and Carrie Carrie watching. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured that Carrie oh, is he watch these? <laughs> he, he he watches them pretty much. Okay. I think every week I get I, an the email reason from I him. agreed to come up Hi Carrie. Yeah, I mean quite honestly, the only reason I agreed to do this was to earn some extra points with my father in law. 
Yeah, well, you obviously that haven't. Was it. Now, you obviously now, aren't doing it to earn points with me because you haven't watched any of them yet. So, well, right, <laughs> and I and I don't have. I mean, I don't have to do that. But you know, he he is a, a relative, so I you know now he now he thinks well, I'm. Jared's credible. not a relative I either. But I tell you one thing: he texts me every episode. He's like, "Oh, that was a great episode." Uh, I didn't want to leave the car. Um, there there was one particularly with uh, <laughs> the head men's basketball can't check Gannon now, um, who's killing it. I mean, they, they are the unbelievable and the style of play. We can get into that later because I think that you'll. I, I mean, Susan says something about you having a Gannon coach on, and and, and that just you, I you, just maybe that's I, why I you haven't watched anything. Little regurg, little regurgitation, little agita. And I actually you know, was it, wearing Gannon gear too, Greg. It was it was bad. Oh yeah. man, you're a sellout! Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, I what I want, you know. Uh, your fans don't know how psychotic a golfer I am and just, you know, uh, how much uh, I've enjoyed watching you get into golf a little more. So I, I wanted to ask you what your golfing goals were, were or are for 2024. Do you have any golfing goals? It's probably the same goal that I, I set every year that never happened, but maybe this is year to actually start doing it, which was – to take my first lesson. I've never, ever taken a lesson. Um, and I say it every year. That's one of them. The other is to play more consistently. Like my buddy, Travis, who you met, um, every year, you know, spring comes up. We're like, all right, this is the year, right? We're going to set out. And we set out and for the first month, month and a half, you know, June, half of July, we do well where we play one day a week. It's usually a Thursday night after clinic. Um, we're the last guys on the course and we're the last guys off. Right. So we're, we're getting out there maybe five o'clock and it's nice in the summer cause you can play late. We usually finish eight, eight thirty, yeah. and it's, it's awesome. I mean, you've, you've played at Kakwa. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I want to yeah. do that more frequently, um, and, and actually stick to it. Cause I, I'm so busy with other stuff with, with the boys, right. They all play travel baseball. So summers are crazy. Um, you know, we yeah. want to get to the swimming pool. At, at the club and we want to do this we want to do that but like to do something that's like for myself um i, I really want to do that more consistently this year yeah and I, and I think that golf um you know golf is more than just an activity in my mind i mean i know it sounds a little melodramatic at times but it, it is a great place to hang out meet people get to know people better i mean you know taking some time for yourself um is super important. I mean, you've played more and more the last, I don't know, three, four, five years. Um, so, so you've done, I mean, you, you followed some of your goal. It's just a matter of sticking with it when life. Yeah. It's the lesson thing, honestly, crazy. because I get frustrated every year where, yeah, you know, I start out good because I haven't had the winter to have bad habits. And then I, I go down and then I get better throughout the year. And then I, I stop yep. playing. And, um, yep. I mean, last year was kind of our highlight cause I think I shared with you, Pete and I won the member guest, which was yep. huge accomplishment. And it was just one of those mm -hmm. perfect storms where everything aligned for, um, about yep. four or five hours. And, uh, and that's all it takes. I mean, that's a long time to have the blood alcohol level. <laughs> just perfect. I think that was the key is we were just like bare minimum, yeah. right? Like have a, have a drink, but not yep. too much. And you know what it was? I started playing Pink Floyd too on that last day. I was like, Pete, I know this isn't was something right. that we've ever Chilly played too, but bit. this is like my focus music in the OR. And, and we had a chance. So that was probably, I was like, let's, let's just try this. And we did it and, and it worked. Yeah. 
So I would definitely encourage you to take a couple lessons. Um, you know, I, I had um, maybe 45 minutes with our head pro, Brad, and he changed like two, three subtle things this past spring and uh, made a huge difference. I mean, it, you know, you don't need to overhaul your whole swing. You know, I don't think that's the, the way to yeah, go about I'm not, it. Yeah, I'm not joining the tour right here into, or anything. No, no, but there's some subtle changes and, and things that can make it really good. So, yeah. Nice. What else? You want to make yeah, yeah, I think two more personal and then we'll, I'll ask you some questions. Yep. So, um, I was going to try to catch up on a little bit of vacation. You know, I th I'm sure most of your listeners know about the Italy trip. Yeah. And they're maybe tired of hearing uh, about it. No, I think this will be uh, kind of cool because you're the first guest that was there with me to experience it firsthand. Yep. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, we went to Italy uh, a little over a year ago, both the uh, Beato and Molly families and uh, six kids, six boys, um, or five boys. Um, I will tell you that I felt like it was a, you know, amazing success. Yeah, were there bickering and fighting, you know, whatever. But it was a trial run for such a big trip for my kids. Eight, they were eight and ten at the time, nine and eleven now. Do the Molly? Where are you at with the next trip? You know, I, I've been told don't end your first big trip without planning the next trip. And 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 I'm sure you have some trips in between. But um, do you have any big Molly family trips coming up? Yeah. So you know, since COVID kind of robbed all of us of our lives for a couple of years here, especially with traveling and trips and vacations. Um, that year when we went to Italy, which was, it was 2022, uh, cause we were in October, mm -hmm. the last two weeks of October of 2022, yep. we kind of committed cause that trip was actually supposed to happen the year before and then it got delayed. And, um, so, you know, it's been like, we're I, that I, I would agree with you, Greg. I think the, the trip was an overwhelming success. Um, with with blending two families together that the boys had met before but not spent any significant amount of time uh, together and um, honestly some of the best memories that I will cherish for the rest of my life right like the the sights that we saw um, the ground that we walked the meals that we ate the wine that we shared the views that we saw um, I mean my my favorite I'll, I'll answer your question but I just want to like hit on a little bit of this is that view from oh, our yeah, house in Amalfi the, the, every morning going out there. I just yeah. wish we would have spent more time there in hindsight. That's like my only regret. <laughs> um, maybe that's round two. But yeah. um, uh, just a week there. Two weeks. Yeah, but but I mean, in Amalfi, we were only there three nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in Amalfi. Yeah, yep. You're right. But um, so we, we've got some trips. Um, you know, I've got some little trips with the boys. So I made a tradition last year that I do like a little getaway with each of the boys individually as kind of like a Christmas slash birthday slash just father son time. Uh, and it's just one mm -hmm. of them. So um, Santino and I are going in two weeks to San Francisco for two nights. Um, we're going to see the Warriors play the Mavericks last year. We saw, we went to Charlotte we saw nice. the Hornets play the Celtics. Um, but yeah, and we're going to go to, Alcatraz one day. So we've been watching movies about Alcatraz. Santino has been reading books about Alcatraz. Anthony and I are going to Boston. We're going to catch a, a Celtics and a Mavericks game. So I, I have two Mavericks games. And then Luca, we're still trying to figure it out. 
And that's just random, right? You don't care about the Mavericks. No, no. It was more like, where would you that really want to just... go? And Tino really has been years yeah. wanted to see Steph Curry play, as have I. So this is our first chance. Yep. And yep. we couldn't do the Cleveland one this year because we were actually, Karen and I were on a trip with Stacey and Pete. So, um, but we're, we're going out there. And I just think it'll be a cool city because that's part of it too, is like the travel. And we've got some great restaurants lined up. Um, so it's, I like to look mm-hmm. forward to yeah, stuff. Yeah, so much to do. Um, Anthony and I will be yep. Boston because he wanted he likes the Celtics. And then Luca, he's more of a baseball guy, but we're either between Cincinnati Reds going there. Uh, and then he just a couple, like the New Year's week, Christmas, New Year's week, he said, what about New York? I'd really like to see the Yankees. I'm like, ooh, that could be a little intimidating going to New York just with you and I. Um, but either that or maybe the yep. Knicks. So I just have to look at the schedule to see. But um, we have our annual. We started going to Sedona uh, three years ago for Easter. Oh, right. Every year for a week. So we're going to be in Scottsdale for, I think, three or four nights. And then um, Sedona for th- four nights. Um, again, we, we know that area well now. Yes. So we have like our favorite restaurants yep. that we go to. And we do hiking during the day. And then our big trip is kind of like the Italy trip, but uh, the Greece. So. Yep. That's what yeah. I want to hear so about. So we literally just last Sunday, uh, New Year's mm-hmm. Eve, Stacy and Pete were out here for the weekend. And we must have spent eight hours doing what you, me, well, I think it was more Susan and I, um, like sitting down yeah. and figuring out like where we wanted to go. Um, we didn't do like our excursions yet, but like the VRBO piece of it, like where we're going to stay, which was harder than the Italy one just because um, we don't have as much time. Like I booked those houses well over a year in advance versus six months in advance. But so we were like, do we go to this island? Do we go here? Do we go here? But we wanted to get to the mainland where Karen's family, Stacy's family, and Pete's family are from. Um, and unfortunately, they're all from the same kind of area on the Peloponnesian uh, Peninsula. Um, but we are going to, or flying into Athens on a Saturday. I think it's uh, the 23rd, 22nd of June. And then we are uh, going to fly or actually drive over to that area on the Peloponnesian Peninsula where uh, their families are from. And we have a VRBO that's literally right on the, the Mediterranean Sea there. Um, we, we have a private beach. We have a pool. And we'll be there for four nights. So we'll be able to do day trips, kind of like we did when we were up in Tuscany. Um, to, but to do to see Pete's family, where, where they came from. And... Uh, Karen and Stacy's family, they have a, their, their uncle has a place literally 30 minutes from there. So, um, and then Olympia wow. is north of there by about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. So we're going to go there and, and it'll be cool because the Olympics will be actually going on while we're there. So the torch will be lit in Olympia, oh, which my. obviously only, will you be able to the, oh, so we're talking the Paris Olympics. The Paris Olympics, yeah. So when they do it, I didn't realize all Got this. You. They start the, yeah. the the torch there in Olympia, and then they t- transport it to wherever it's going. But they leave okay. the torch lit in Olympia until the Olympics conclude. Okay. So we'll actually get to see the torch lit in Olympia, which cool. would be kind of cool. Yeah. And then we're going to fly yeah. to uh, Crete, which is a very large island um, south of Greece proper. And we'll be there for, I think, mm-hmm. six nights. We're, we're doing two weeks, just like we did in Italy. Um, yeah, nice. And there's just a lot to do there. I mean, if there's so many islands. If we want to do like a day here, a day there, we could do that. But there's lots of hiking trails in yep. Crete. And then, obviously, great restaurants with Greek food and 
um, beaches. That pool or that house actually has a pool, and it reminds me of our first house in Italy because it has basketball court too. So, um, Stacy and Pete have two yep. boys, nice. Georgie and Nicholas, who are a little bit. I was just going to ask. Yeah, that. so it's yeah. it's the same. It's just their boys are uh, Nicholas is I think nine months older than Anthony, and Georgie's probably two and a half to three years older than Anthony. So, but they all get along. Nice. Um, and and then we yeah. fly back to Athens and conclude our trip there. I think we're going to do three nights in Athens and then we'll do like the, the, the Athens type stuff, right? Like the Parthenon and, and yeah. all that. Yeah. So awesome. yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. I've heard amazing thing. Greece has been like a hotbed of people traveling to in this area for, for some reason. I, I think that Susan's sister, Robin, uh, went on their honeymoon to Crete. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I don't know if you, you know, they're, they're, um, history people so you you might want to you might want to hook you guys up just for some information yeah why don't you confirm where they went Uh, the good news is is again i'm pretty sure it was yeah um being kind of married into a greek family they they've all been to greece multiple times um and then karen and i we went to santorini five years ago for our 10-year wedding anniversary and that's a beautiful island too it's just it's very commercialized now so um, we decided to try a different island, and I don't think anybody's ever been to Crete, yeah. uh, quite honestly, from our, our travel group, so it'll be nice. And then um, uh, Stacy's mother, um, Connie, is coming, and that is Karen's mom's sister, um, Mary's sister. Okay. Yeah, Connie. and then Great. Pete's mom, Georgia, is going to be joining us as well. And then we invited Karen's parents, but um, I, I just don't think that Jim, with his his health issues, is uh, comfortable traveling that far for that long. And I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But we're we're going to bring Andrea as well, and yeah. she was obviously with us in the on the Italy trip. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So is that three, or you got awesome. one more, or what is that? Uh, I mean, I got one more if you want it. Fire away. I wanted to hear about Erie a little bit. I've been to Erie a couple times, yeah. and it's changed a bunch since a long time ago. I'm not going to say that 25. You know, we started college about 25, yeah, that's crazy. 26 years ago. But, um, so I've been to Erie a couple times with Susan's family and stuff. So do you have favorite favorite things in Erie to do? You know, kind of the, the – you don't have to name all of them, but like you're – you know, dot the, the – um, Lakes, I don't know, what What do you call the lake? Um, the the not peninsula? The lake. Not Presque yeah. Isle, but like um, yeah, so, in the in the town, in the city. Like that whole thing is new and looks, it's actually really awesome. I mean, I, when we've gone to it, we've really enjoyed it. To, to Presque Isle, you're saying? Restaurants and just, no, I, Presque Isle, we know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been to Presque Isle. What did you say about while, the city? I didn't the, hear your question about the city. Like the... Hammett, like where Park Place oh, used yeah, to yeah, be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the new area. downtown. Well, I can say this. You've yeah. seen more of it than I have, and I'm embarrassed to say that. Um, they, they have a food court down there. I think okay. they have rock climbing down yep, there. Yep, um, I think they've done yep. an amazing job of, like, the downtown revival. Um, it's just – and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm making excuses, but, like, w- we don't really – it almost feels like it's a journey to go downtown. Um, and it's like, Oh my yeah, gosh, I get it. And we typically stay on the West side or we're doing something with our boys. Now I did, I have taken our boys to two Gannon games. Sorry. I said that G word again. Um, 
you know, this, this year. And so we are downtown, but I think we just need to do it. We need to get downtown to see that. And, um, but I've heard nothing but really, really good things about that. Well, so what, so where, did, where are your favorite hangouts then in terms of family stuff? Where you yeah, go? I mean, we'll, we'll go to Cockwell, we'll go to the club. Um, but then there's just some great restaurants that we, we typically, um, are, are just comfortable at. Like there's not a lot in Erie to me because I'm, I like, food uh, like I, I karen and i consider ourselves foodies that's one thing that we really really enjoy doing thing together is is finding good places that have really good food uh but there's a couple um there's uh, some italian restaurants uh pepino's is probably in my opinion one of the best restaurants in erie pennsylvania uh the cork is really really good and i've never had a bad meal there uh bar ronin is probably one of our favorites it's it's this asian fusion type place that almost transports you outside of Erie while you're there. There's, you know, Japanese kind of like hieroglyphs or, or graffiti on the walls, if you will, uh, makes you feel like you're not in Erie. And the food is phenomenal. Uh, they have the best burger I've yeah. ever had in my life. It's called the Lucy Burger. That's there. Um, when I bring guests there, they're, they're like, well, I want to try this. And they're trying all these Asian things. I'm like, try the burger. And they're like, seriously? I didn't come here for the burger. I'm like, try it. <laughs> yeah. They'll do it. Yeah. And they'll be like, That's oh my God. And then... Just the staples. Yep. Um, like I was at the peninsula this morning. I, I like to go down there and go for long walks. And I do think that there's a lot to do in the in the town. You know, Erie gets a pretty bad rap being, you know, kind of the mistake on the lake and cold and dreary. But the summers in Erie. It's just the weather. But the oh, summers, you can't beat. Yeah, you cannot beat the summers and even the fall yep. in Erie. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, this is, a, this is a long haul. We've had a pretty mild winter so far. Um, I just feel like it's going to go long because we haven't had a ton of snow. Yeah, I was in um, Rochester uh, for four nights visiting family uh, after Christmas, and we didn't see the sun once. It was gray, cloudy, little rain, flurry the Saturday that we left. But we were we were probably eating, you know, talking to my dad on a I think a Friday. It might have been when we were driving to the airport, and he looked at me and he said, "Boy, you guys really got lucky with the weather." And I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh!" And he's right because you could have had a two foot of two yeah. feet of snow but i'm thinking oh my gosh this is dreadful you, and depressing you, up there. you know and he <laughs> and i know and i'm like man and he and he he was thinking well this is pretty good so i, I guess that it's all goes relative to, right goes to show you that yeah it's all relative and you know we we get pretty cold in blacksburg but you know we see the sun a lot we don't get much snow i mean we get the four seasons but it's definitely uh a, a lot more uh, mild in the in the winter times and the summers are great. So you wouldn't know, though. I mean, you you don't you know maybe if you ever get down to Blacksburg. I was talking with Susan. Uh, at, look, maybe we'll we'll show you. Yeah, I was talking with Susan, and I think we picked a date, and then I realized it may be the same weekend that Anthony and I are supposed to be going to Boston. So, but we'll we will make it. I mean, your listeners can understand after hearing all the trips, and that's not even any professional trips or any <laughs> yeah. conferences. So it's it's hard. I give you a hard time, but it, it is a it is a challenge trying to get. You know, we we were doing similar things with the boys. We have Marco Day and we have Dominic Day, and so basically we let them sort of choose within reasoning um, a, a trip of some sort. Maybe it's a game. Maybe it's uh, amusement park, you know, those, but you only of bring one of them sitting at the calendar. Right. So no, we, we bring them okay. both. Uh, we, we do bring them both. We haven't, it is not, it's not the birthday. It's just a special 
you know, um, day or, or kind of turns into weekends sometimes. But, yeah, we bring them both. I like that idea, though. It, that might be something to, to consider doing, just kind of a day trip with just one of them. Um, but anyway, so um, it seems that the calendar can fill up quite, quite quickly. Yeah. I will. I that's. Well, that's good. It's not a bad thing. No, I mean, but it's balance, right? So, I do promise that um, we are going to make it down there. I just can't promise when. Oh, that's yeah. There was a. I mean, it's being recorded, (laughs) but so so way to leave it, leave it open ended. So that's all right. Let's spin those tables so I can ask you some questions. Okay. So, again, I I know you. Um, I think it's always fun for me because I get to learn about my guests during, it's one of the, my favorite things about this. And even the people that I think I know really, really well, I always learn stuff about, you know, Jared grew up with them and learned some cool stuff during our podcast. But um, who was that person for you, Greg, that was like um, your mentor that kind of like, this is, this is what I want to do. I, I want to be a physician I want to be a primary care internal medicine physician that also kind of specializes in uh, sports medicine or non-operative orthopedics. Who was that and when in your life did that happen? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I I think that um, clearly when I had decided to go to medical school, um, after that decision, you know, uh, have you, have you had Dr. Coppola on oh, the show? Greg, I've invited him about a dozen times and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think maybe yeah. it's not going to happen, but it's not yeah. you, it's not you. It's, but, uh, he, he, I mean, he was, he was my mentor. I mean, I, I think, um, the, you know, he went to PCOM, but you knew beforehand um, you wanted to go to like when you came to Mercer, I feel like you, you, you were pre-med. I was pre-med, but not because I was going to medical school. I was going to chiropractic school. Yeah. I mean, when I went to Mercyhurst, I did not know what I wanted to be okay. doing. Um, I went there because I got recruited to play volleyball, and they, it was a good distance away. Um, they had several majors I was interested in. I mean, I was interested in um, engineering, architecture, journalism. I mean, there was a bunch of just uh, – and, and Mercyhurst had pretty much all of them. And so – I'll never forget. I mean, I remember going to the athletic training, sports medicine um, intro meeting, you know, for interested freshmen. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds good. Sports and medicine. I mean, that's that sounds neat. Like, but so I didn't know I wanted to. I, I go thought to you did. School. I probably didn't really know. No. So you yeah. learned something. First um, question. I my um, the I, I hadn't. I don't fully know why I carried on the pre-med, I guess it's pre-pre-med um, concentration. Um, someone early on, it might've been Sue, um, suggested to just do that. It was just a couple of changes in a couple, you know, instead of one chemistry, you take general chemistry, a couple of physics kind yeah. of things. And um, I don't fully remember thinking a lot about that. Like, oh, I'll just do that. I, I don't know. I don't I didn't make as educated a decision about that. Probably I thought, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll do that. And then, you know, I didn't really fully hear about osteopathic medicine until I think my sophomore year, uh, it was not talked about at all at Mercyhurst, which is 
you know, I hope they are doing a better job about talking about osteopathic medicine, considering LECOM, you know, being there for so long now. But uh, I believe they are. One of their new team positions is a, is a DO um, there. So I, I bet you he's. Good. Well, and obviously Greg was yeah. there. Um, so uh, I learned about osteopathic medicine from my, my brother's good friend, Amy. I remember. So Amy is an OBGYN, uh, PCOM grad. And she connected me with Greg Coppola because they were uh, childhood friends in, in the Pittsburgh area. And so Amy taught me, you know, uh, brought up osteopathic medicine. I thought like it fit perfectly with sports medicine, orthopedics, primary care, everything I was interested in. Um, then I met Greg through Amy, connected with him several times on the on the phone. Um, obviously, we made the trip junior year to michigan state and chicago and um you know met greg and you know you guys you guys both had to change my I life think plans greg, unfortunately know, i mean fortunately yep <laughs> well we, we changed we changed ryan's life um and then you know made a great connection i, I think greg you know greg is just that kind of person that you know has never met a stranger you know instantly you can connect with greg very very uh deeply and so he's an easy it's an easy mentor um we, uh, you know, I was very focused on PCOM. That's where he went. That's where I wanted to go and was fortunate enough to go to get in there. And, um, but that whole track of primary care versus surgery and then sports medicine, you know, was really, really about what Greg, Greg taught and, you know, and then having the year, uh, Greg being actually the team physician at yeah, first year, cool our year, senior year, just a wacky you know just a just an odd coincidence coincidence and it, and it you know things happen for a reason um so we we both spent more time with greg and and shadowed and then you know the rotation year uh our month uh was that probably third yeah, I year think so in you, medical you came school. out so i uh, we rotated with greg that jaunt time. over to erie from from philadelphia yeah. and, um so i think greg greg definitely molded that from a early early standpoint yeah so you brought up um osteopathic medicine, right? So, I mean, we both went to osteopathic medical school, but you got to remember not everybody that's listening to this knows what that is, right? They, they think physician and everybody goes to medical school, but can you just kind of like spend, I'm not even going to count this as one of my official questions, but just, just educate our guests on allopathic versus osteopathic. Yeah, absolutely. I love this question. Uh, I remember early on thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to have to explain this every time. Now I love it. Like, I'm very happy to talk about it. Uh, I mean, there's you have your MD, medical uh, medical doctor. That's an allopathic physician. And then you have your DO, doctor of osteopathic medicine or osteopathy. So they're both four-year, uh, you know, fully accredited medical schools. Um, there are uh, there are so many more osteopathic schools now than there were when we were applying. I think there was like around twenty when we I were. I think Lecom has about there's, fifteen there's of their 40. own. Yeah, yeah, and, and they all have multiple branches, yeah. and I mean, there's probably forty to fifty osteopathic oh, wow. schools now, and which is great, really. Um, you know, I, I think that's the the osteopathic philosophy is slightly different than the allopathic philosophy. Um, you know, osteopathic medicine was really hunkered down in primary care. Um, the founder of osteopathic medicine is AT still, it was founded in the late 1800s. Um, and his concept was, uh, bringing primary care providers to more 
some more uh, patients. So there's a lot of underserved areas, you know, even still, still are a ton, you know, probably more, potentially more patients underserved than even in the 1800s because the population is so much bigger. So one of the concepts of osteopathic medicine is, is very much holistic, mind, body, spirit connection, you know, every, um, uh, the, the structure and function, uh, you know, and, and, and it fits really well, in my opinion, to primary care. So that's primary care is thought to be, you know, internal medicine, family medicine, OBGYN, PEDS, ER, like the kind of core uh, medicine specialties. Um, that, that was really the foundation of osteopathic medicine. But in the last probably 50 years, um, osteopathic physicians can go to any, any residencies. There's neurosurgeons, there's obviously orthopedics, cardiology, you know, any, any specialty, any, any residency and specialty can be done after graduated from osteopathic medical school. So still four, four years, just like MD school. Uh, we take the same classes, take mainly most of the same tests. Osteopathic, the one, one big difference is we, we use our hands a little bit more. So we're a little more into manual medicine. So osteopathic physicians all go through a two-year curriculum in medical school called osteopathic manual therapy or osteopathic manual medicine. There's a bunch of sort of different acronyms that mean the same thing where we actually touch our patients. We try to develop our um, palpitation, our, our skills, our, our structure uh, landmarks. Um, and then, you know, certainly, I don't know, maybe five or 10% of DOs, maybe less will actually continue to do manual medicine techniques. I always say it's sort of similar to a chiropractor, but a little bit more, a little bit more well-rounded. It's just not about cracking necks and backs. Um, and I do, I do OMM every clinic at Virginia tech. Um, our student athletes just love manual medicine uh, whether it's treatment of a of an injury or if it's just a, a maintenance, um, just feels good, helps to loosen things up. We have student athletes that come in all the time um, for OMM or OMT. Uh, that's probably in in the in the big picture. That's the biggest difference between allopathic medicine and osteopathic medicine is we learn osteopathic. Yeah, medicine. I think hand in hand with that, and this really I think gave me a, a leg up was. The focus just on the musculoskeletal system, as opposed to yeah. um, some yep. of the other sciences that we we learned. And, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but I do remember hearing um, a statistic. It, it was somewhere around like five percent of the curriculum in allopathic school focuses on the musculoskeletal system versus osteopathic. It's like twenty five or thirty percent. I could be wrong with that, but I don't know that data. I mean, it seems right. It, I mean, that it, that would be it's huge. Um, in the ballpark. And I think sure. a lot of that is yep. the OMT and the, uh, or OMM, whatever you call it. Um, but we're, we're spending a ton of time in the cadaver labs and, and learning the anatomy, the physiology, the functions. Um, and it was nice coming from our background at Mercyhurst in sports medicine because it was, it was a very natural transition, I think, into osteopathic medicine. And we had already learned, you know, pretty much all, if yep. not more, of the special tests um, and, and we're already doing it and we're very proficient at touching our, our patients with it at that time or our athletes, right. Um, and increasing our palpatory skills and, and our proprioceptive feedback as to being able to stress ligaments and determine if they're intact or partially torn or fully torn. And, um, 
you know so to me i i felt like very i was very lucky maybe just fate had it that way that i was going to mercyhurst i was doing the uh, athletic training sports medicine background along with the pre-med courses and then when I decided on residency or medical school, I, I, the osteopathic route from you and Greg, and by the way, um, I would say 80%, you need to start watching some of these because 80% of um, the, the podcasts that I've done have probably, your name has been mentioned or Greg's has been mentioned or, or both because I give you guys a lot of credit for me being where I am right now and, and wouldn't be here without either of you. Um, and then my transition from, osteopathic into orthopedic surgery was just it just all seemed very natural yeah it was natural yeah yeah Yeah, i mean i i talk about um with my medical students so i I usually have a medical student rotate with me and we try to talk about orthopedics and sports medicine and primary care obviously is a you know big part of what i do but the the training at mercyhurst was um you know unbelievable in terms of orthopedics (laughs) um structure, function, anatomy, innervation. I mean, all of those things uh, were so helpful, but I certainly needed, and I'm sure you were the same way, you know, the micro, the biochemistry, the, all of those sciences, I had to spend extra time to survive yeah, and get those through are those, brutal. but it was nice to not have to. That's not how yeah, my brain works. I, I start shaking. I start shaking a little bit just hearing, you know, remembering Ugh. those things, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, so osteopathic medicine into orthopedics and in even primary care, I mean, it's, it's a very natural flow. So I, I'm really, I didn't try to go to any allopathic school. Like when I started at Mercyhurst, allopathic medicine to me was not what I wanted right. to do. Um, and so when I learned about osteopathic medicine, I was like, oh, I can still picture sitting on my parents' gateway. Is that a computer? Yeah. Gateway? Yeah, was I think a, so. Right. In this huge monitor that was like this big. In, and it was deep, right? It wasn't like the flat way. screen that our kids see. Oh, it was, it was Heavy. huge. No, it was, it was huge. And reading emails from Amy Kerner at the time about osteopathic medicine, thinking, "Oh man, this is, this is perfect." Uh, you know, certain memories just, you just can can picture it's, it perfectly, like it happened yesterday. Yeah. So my my last kind of business question for you, Greg, is um, one thing that I'm like very proud of you for and I think it's pretty unusual is when you came out of your fellowship in 2008 I believe it was nine okay so 2009 um you've been at oh that you've been in Blacksburg since 2008 you did your fellowship there then right Right, after that you've been in the same practice since that since day one out of fellowship that is a very 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 rare feat um that you you just don't hear about these days. Um, if like, what have been the, the secrets to that? Like talk a little bit more about your practice too. Like the MDI, MDVIP component of your practice. Like what's the, uh, what's a typical week look like for you and what have been some of the, it's a two part question, typical week. Cause you do different things, right? You're not just a sports med doctor. You're, you're a full-time primary care internal medicine doctor. What's that week look like? And, um, you know, what have been the six uh, secrets to your success of staying in one place, one practice for that entire time? Well, that's how long do we have? Yeah. No, about three minutes. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> go. Um, 
No, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Quite. You know, I, I, I don't even know if I think about it. it the, hearing you say that uh, makes me you should be very proud of that. maybe more how rare it, it probably is um, for that. And, you know, I think we've both been very blessed, fortunate, made good decisions, right? So it's not just getting lucky, but it, but part of that is being in the right place at the right time, but also being willing to take those risks, you know, have a huge med school loan or move away from home or go to here, or go there. So, I mean, it's been a combination of, of, of good decisions, um, but the opportunities being there um, and, and being being fortunate by some pretty awesome opportunities. Um, so coming out of fellowship from a, you know, Susan and I are um, pretty boringly similar. We have such similar uh, interests and, and, and um, I, I think about, you know, we could build a house in a week by making choices. Like we agree on colors and poles and all, you know, all of those things. So we decided that we wanted to live in the mid Atlantic basically after fellowship. And so I was fortunate, you know, I think getting into Philadelphia osteopathic school, getting into internal medicine at, at Christiana, you know, I really only wanted to do my primary care sports medicine fellowship at Virginia tech. Um, you know, I think my secondary, just to, just to, um, put Dr. Brolinson, Gunnar Brolinson's name in there. I mean, he was definitely my sports med mentor and has been as I've been down at Virginia Tech. So he was a program director at, at Virginia Tech. Love those shout outs too, the, by the way, The Greg. only program, yep, yep. He's probably watched all your podcasts. <laughs> if you didn't bring him uh, up, I was going to ask but anyway, him, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, he, he was, you know, my, my fellowship year and probably even the, even my third year in residency, he and I connected and, and, you know, the first five years or so, and he, his job and role has changed a little bit. So he's not as active at, at Virginia Tech now, um, but he, he was definitely my Virginia Tech mentor and just someone I could always go to. And I can, I can now still, but, um, you know, I was in the right place at the right time after the fellowship. Um, there were a couple, couple team doctors that had left. And so, uh, I got offered a job to stay on board at Virginia Tech in, as one of the head team physicians at 29 years old. I mean, it was just an amazing opportunity. Um, I didn't plan on that happening, uh, but we loved Blacksburg. I mean, I, I think that being in the right community, the right geographic place, Virginia Tech and the way they operate in just a high integrity uh, you'll never hear about Virginia Tech being in the news about sign stealing or recruitment violations or, I mean, they, they just do things the right way. And, and I think that's been very, very important to me. So I was in the right place at the right time for the Virginia Tech uh, uh, position. Uh, when I went out into interviewing for real jobs, because really the, the Virginia Tech um, position, I, I call it a hobby job. I mean, it's, it's, I go there Tuesday and Thursday afternoons for, uh, what, three and a half hours. Uh, I cover women's soccer in the, in the, um, fall, fall and, and men's basketball now in the winter. It's really a hobby job. I mean, I enjoy it. It's fun. My wife loves sports. My two boys love sports. So it's able to be done, but it doesn't pay the bills. And so I, again, right place, right time. I went to one, <laughs> one interview for my real job. And it was with this group called Medical Associates of Southwest Virginia. 
Um, it's it's uh, a practice that was started in 1974 um, by basically three doctors, Slayton, Birch, and Payne. Sounds um, like a, Dr. a law firm. Payne was still, I know, yep, LLC. Um, Slayton, Birch, and Payne. Yeah, a bunch of, I mean, along, you know, many, many years of many different docs coming and going, but basically the core foundation were those three. And Dr. Payne was still there in 2009. And so he, he, he was one of the founding founding um, docs. And um, I went there and it, the, the location's great. They own the building. The building's right basically next to the hospital, about two miles from Virginia Tech. Um, and I saw an opportunity to, to become an owner. It's independent practice was very important to me. Uh, one of the cornerstones of medical associates, they took care of their patients in the hospital and do so, so admitted their own were basically the hospitalists of their own patients. I love that as an internist. I was one of the rare. It's just, I think a lot of people don't really want to do what I like to do anymore, which is fine, you know, which makes it easier for, for me to kind of stick yeah. out. So from the get-go in 2009, um, I was a junior partner. I wasn't an owner or partner, uh, but I, I did my time and uh, admitted my own patients in the morning. And, and actually, community took community call as well. Um, we did five nights of call a month for about five years. Um, just nuts and bolts, traditional internal medicine. I go into the hospital at seven, round on my patients till nine or nine thirty. Start seeing patients in the office. Walk, you know, just walk hundred yards to my office. That's huge. That's a big component to being able to do what I do. Is you can't be spending time in your car all the time. So you still spend um, a fair driving, amount of so. a couple hours every morning in the hospital? So it's different now. Okay. It's different now. But um, so Dr. Payne retired in 2013. I became the owner. Um, so I was the sole owner for five to seven years. Of that, of that, um, and that practice? What was it called? Medical Associates of Southwest, Medical Associates of Southwest Virginia. Okay. Um, Dr. Maggie Belton joined the practice in 2012 and she um i i we are now 50 50 owners so she she joined ownership uh i think pre-covid probably three or four years ago and uh you know she's been it's her only job out of out of residency she's a family so med she doc. was employed by you um, for that period between correct. until pre-covid when she became an owner yep okay correct yep and so you and I have talked about this, you know, a bunch. I just think our personalities are made for private practice, you know, independent practice. I think that that um, there is clear cut data that um, uh, uh, physicians are more satisfied, happier in private practice in general, you know, working for yourself, working for your patients, working for your staff. Um, and I was just really fortunate that medical associates needed another physician at that time. Um, I didn't interview anywhere else. I mean, I just felt right. I mean, it just felt, it felt right. And so one of the, um, one of the big sticking points, and it was not a, it was not a, a question for Dr. Payne and office management staff was that I needed to be able to go to Virginia Tech Tuesday and Thursday afternoons to be a team physician at Virginia Tech. So typically a physician is going to have a half day off a week for admin or golfing or whatever you want to call it. Um, my two, my half day, I go to Virginia tech 
And then I take another half day away from medical associates to go to Virginia Tech. Okay. And that was just part of the deal. I mean, that was just part of, you know, they needed me, you know, at, in 2009. I mean, they were, they were really, they, they had a couple openings and needed another doctor. And that was just, that was just part of the deal. And, and we fast forward 15 years and I'm still doing the same schedule going to Virginia Tech Tuesday, Thursday afternoons. Um, and it's, it's worked out great. So Tuesday and Thursday, my other, my Virginia Tech team physician colleagues are at VCOM, the Virginia College of Osteopathic Medicine, just right down the road. They're there teaching the OMM lecture and labs. So they didn't, they didn't even have anyone. They didn't have clinic at Virginia Tech Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. So that worked out perfectly. When I was a fellow, it just, you know, I just kind of fell right in there and, um, I'm the only non-VCOM employed team physician, um, but it, it works out great, I think. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So then, I you want to you want me to talk about the MDVIP? Yeah. Before you go into that, though, I don't want to forget about this. So, um, Travis and I actually, it's like when you have one podcast, it's not good enough. You might as well start a second. So. We actually started a second one that our first one, we've recorded our first episode um, just after Christmas, actually just before Christmas, but it will air uh, January 17th. It's called Red Carpet Healthcare Solutions, and the title of the podcast is uh, Private Practice Podcaster. So the entire uh, reason for the podcast, the message, the mission is to kind of spread the word of private practice because as you and I both know, that pendulum has swung so far to the employed model. And I, I know of so many, and, and just in the orthopedic field, but other fields as well, that are very frustrated with that. And they're looking, how do I do this? And it can be daunting. I mean, you kind of, I, I don't want to say fell into it, but the timing was right. The location was right. You can. Oh, but, yeah. Um, like mine was a little different. Um, I started my private practice from scratch. It wasn't something that I really kind of inherited. So a little bit, I mean, some of the, the volume was there, but not the, the infrastructure. I had to create that from scratch, which yeah. it can be daunting. And quite honestly, um, I would not have been able to do right out of, you know, residency or fellowship. I, I needed years to practice right. as a right. clinician, but um, I would love to have you as a guest on that as well, because I do think you will have so much to offer from that. And I think, it segues into what you're going to talk about with MDVIP because there's going to be a component of red carpet that we are teaching others how to a, di a little different style of your, your concierge practice versus mine. But uh, say as an orthopedic surgeon, how would you be able to start a concierge practice? So to tell us about MDVIP and what that is and how you, how, how it works for you. Yeah. And I don't want to get people too complicated in how it happened uh, in general, but basically in 2016, I was, I was drowning and maybe didn't even know it. Um, you know, as a, as a resident, as a young physician, I was just taught to say yes. You know, if someone needs to be seen, put them on, yes. If I need to do a consult, yes. If you want to be on a committee, yes. Um, that's, I, I don't regret that, but maybe it didn't, ha I mean, I literally never said no to someone coming in. So I was drowning a little bit in 2016 before a gentleman from MDVIP just cold called me, stood, just showed up in my office one day. His name is Tim. And I, I remember meeting Tim thinking that he's a salesman. Like, I don't know. I don't have time. I mean, I'm seeing 25 so you were about to say no for your day. first time? 
Oh, yeah, I did say that. I did. Yeah, like to this guy. Right, 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 right. I get it. Um, so Tim had to had to wear on me a few times, uh, wear me down. Um, I mean, it, it was – I thought it was doing what I was supposed to be doing. You know, five to six patients in the hospital and 25 in the office and Virginia Tech. I would go to nursing homes, make rounds at the nursing facilities. Just grinding every day. Doing ICU, doing vents, right, taking night call, doing weekends. And it just was the way it was. I wasn't looking for a different model. I didn't even know of a different model. I wasn't wasn't looking for it. And so Tim Mm – Tim showed up uh, at my office and I blew him off. I blew him off. Oh, we've got, we're having a dinner in Roanoke. We'd love for you to come just learn about MDVIP. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. So he finally, he came back and gave me a handout and said, listen, doc, we're doing this. Um, no, no, the dinner. So he was doing another dinner in Roanoke. And I said, Tim, I, I can't do it. And he's like, well, why don't you call me? I'm going to Napa, Napa, California um, next week for a national conference. And then I'll be back and we'll, we'll hook up that. And I said, oh, you're going to Napa. I'm going to Napa. And so we were, I guess, again, it's just fate. right place, right time, signs, whatever. Yeah, fate. I mean, I don't want to be melodramatic, but it's true. So Susan and I were going to Napa for our 10-year wedding anniversary in 2016. The same weekend that they had their national, or it wasn't the national conference. It was a big recruiting conference. And so I thought this was weird. Uh, let's we'll go meet you for a drink in Napa. And so uh, we met Tim and his boss in um, in Napa and uh, let them buy us a eighteen dollar glass of wine. And you know it was just some pretty I mean, shitty I wine. My due diligence. We yeah, <laughs> you know a glass. I'm kidding. Yeah, nothing. Nothing yeah, shitty no, out kidding. there. You know that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did my homework. I went to some conferences, do my, did my due diligence. And um, the long story short is I'm six years now. So I didn't open my practice until basically um, January, d- technically December 27th of 2017. Um, so I've now completed six years being affiliated with MDVIP. So MDVIP stands for Medical Doctors Value and Prevention. Um, I think it... I think of it as a personalized primary care model or practice. Um, so I used to have about 2,500 patients in primary care, and I, I currently have 400. Uh, the 400 patients have an annual membership fee um, to be in my practice. It's sort of being part of the Beato Club kind of thing. So it's my my current um, annual fee is $1,800. Would you charge me that amount, or would you give me a little um, bit of a discount? Or are you going to charge me double? Oh, you would be double. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, the amount of work I would need to do, but, um, but no, I mean, everybody pays the same amount. Um, everybody gets a real thorough physical once a year with extra testing there's a lot of focus on cardiovascular disease, chronic inflammation. Um, I feel like MDVIP has allowed me to, I mean, clearly spend more time with each patient. So I see about eight patients a day, maybe seven to 10 patients a day instead of 20 to 25. Um, I still admit my own patients. So just the, if the 400, any of the 400 MDVIP patients need to be admitted to my hospital, which is, you know, again, right next door, I will admit them or I'll, I'll have the hospital admit them, but I will take care of them throughout the hospital stay. Um, you know, but we do a really good job, I hope, of keeping people from the hospital. 
because I get people in right away. I mean, if someone emailed me tonight, like, man, I slipped on the ice and I twisted my ankle, you know, I'd give them a time to come in tomorrow um, to see me. So I, I think the MDVIP model has really allowed me to um, focus my attention on a smaller amount of patients. And, and those are biased patients, right? Those are patients that are paying extra money to get more health care. So they're typically motivated. Or, or better, better quality, 100%, right? And, and you know, more. Better quality, and, right. I, I mean, there's a lot of super access healthy to their physician and all of that. That want yeah. more. Yeah. So all my patients have my cell phone number, you know, for emergencies. We have a secure portal that I check emails nonstop. Um, MDVIP is a national company. There's about 1,100 MDVIP affiliated physicians throughout the country. It's, it's centered in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, it, there's definitely more MDVIP doctors around bigger cities. Um, but I'm a huge believer in, and I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a well, uh, more well-trained, well-versed, well-rounded, uh, physician. I don't miss things anymore because I have more time. Um, MDVIP is a support system. They don't own my practice. It's an affiliation agreement. So uh, again, you definitely need to come on the red carpet one. Cause we could talk about this for probably two hours. I, oh, I, I don't want to get too I'd far off to. track, but that would be the perfect venue for that. My last kind of question, and I know this is more than I was allotted, but it's my podcast, so I can do that. Um, yeah. Just before I forget this is you, you said you went from like 2,500 patients or so down to 400. So how did that transition occur? And did you have to like get, find somebody else to, to take care of them? Did your partner Maggie take that load yeah. on or how did that work? Yeah, good question. I mean, that that was the hard. It, this was a really hard decision. I'm sure it um, was. It's a lifestyle it change. Was, I, I, yeah. Well, n- no one, no one in this area does this. There's one, one, um, one physician that does has a kind of small direct primary care practice, but there's no outside the box kind of thing. So it, it was a. There were a lot of raised eyebrows and concerns and worries by from patients. Um, and, and my office staff, I mean, I wasn't hundred percent sure I'd have enough people sign up after two weeks. I knew I, I would have enough, but you know, there was a lot of uncertainties. My office manager, Amber, I mean, there were a lot of uncertainties. So, um, it was a huge decision. It was, it was, I, I don't, I don't love, uh, thinking back on that, but I love the decision. You know, again, like you asked, you know, earlier, I mean, it's, it's about being in the right place at the right time, but also being able to make that decision. And, I'm really happy that I made that decision. So the transition period was really difficult. Yeah, I'm sure was, because there were a lot of patients disappointed, very, right? Good, disappointed, almost angry. Yeah. I mean, like they thought I was abandoning them. Uh, there are patients that, to this day, I think didn't give it enough time to really learn about it, but that are still upset with me about it. I mean, I, I get, um, I don't know, upset, but like disappointed. Um, you know, I have a fair amount of younger patients, 20, 30 year olds that, um, every so often I'll see nurses. And so at the, at the hospital and, you know, they give me the business about, you know, man, I wish I could still see you, but now you're in this bougie practice or you're in this VIP only practice. And I'm like, you know, I, I get it. Um, is the, the fee is basically $4 a day, you know? And so it's, it's not like it's $10,000 or hundred thousand right. dollars which i think year. it could be so a lot I'm, more I'm quite honestly worrying about that I, I think that's under under yeah, yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I still bill insurance. You know, I, I still um, if you come in for a sick visit, if you're admitted to the hospital, you know, there's still it's a hybrid sure. kind of financial situation. Um, so, you know, I, but the transition period was very difficult. So the majority of my patients stayed in our practice. So at the time of my transition, Dr. Belton was just ramping up, you know, her she had room. So she currently is very um, full and, and successful. She does not do that. Largely, in my opinion. No, she's got her nor normal high volume, you know, uh, fee for service practice. So she was not full when I joined MDVIP. So she absorbed a good amount of the 2,200 or so patients. Um, and, and that has helped her springboarded her into, a, into the positives for sure. Uh, we had a couple of mid-levels as well that absorbed some of the patients. And then a bunch of them, you know, not many, maybe 10% went to other practices. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, but it's, it has worked out, you know, really well. I'm, I'm really happy with it. And, um, you know, it's really allowed me to expand my practice. I'm, I'm learning more and more about longevity, uh, you know, trying to talk more about long-term health, not just, you know, not just focus on the here and the now. I think MDVIP has allowed me, they, they have a whole uh, medical advisory board that reviews uh, literature, new technology, new testing. And then, you know, a lot of it, they say it's not ready. And then a bunch of it they bring to, to us uh, affiliates. And, and I've added a bunch of testing that I think is extremely beneficial. you call those executive physicals um, beneficial that you're doing, patients. those yearly ones? Basically, yeah. yep, yep. Do you know about... Um, Yep. Life. Have you heard the book Life Force by Tony Robbins? Yeah, I've read it. Um, a lot of what he talks about is MDVIP, yeah. um, you know, philosophically, you know, taking ownership, ownership of your own practice, of your own life. I mean, of your own health, you know, don't wait for a doctor to, to say, oh, you should do this. Um, early on in my in my MDVIP life, I really stopped saying, oh, insurance won't cover it. So you can't do it. Like that's baloney. You know, Tony Robbins talks about that. I actually had a patient go down to his foundation life clinic in Naples. I think it's in Naples. Yeah, they've got. And do that full physical. So um, two of my good buddies and business um, colleagues both went down there for that. Uh, they do have a location yeah, in Pittsburgh, yeah. but I think it's the, the oh. one in Florida. There's like four or five. So um, I did yeah. the the um uh, i'm an orthopedic surgeon so i can't really read too well so i did the audiobook version of it but you know me i have a ton of time in the yeah, car every day yeah, for yeah, my commutes yeah. and yeah. it's a great book so jay if you could put that like right here just the the life force well i want jay to put up um dr peter atia uh, yeah i was just reading stuff have about you, him yesterday been, yeah yeah you need to get on his he's got his so his book is called outlive uh and he's got he is a prolific podcast yeah his podcast is called The Drive. Yep, I know it. <laughs> um, it's he is my hero. Um, you know, Tony Robbins is. I, I patient brought brought Life Force to me, asked me to read it. I said okay, and it's you know yeah. the book. It's like well, no, you don't. No, I actually pages. have both. I have the book them. and I have the I did the audio book, but yeah. Oh, uh, okay. 
um, it's like Tommy Boy, you know, left to right. <laughs> no, I think you need to have the book because there's a lot of like um, charts and graphs that he yeah. references. Yeah. That if you just did the audiobook, they're like refer to this, and you just you wouldn't know what's going on. So that's why yeah. I bought the book too. Yeah. So Life Force was great. I mean, I, I learned a bunch. I mean, I, I I think some of what what Tony talks about in there is not ready for prime time. Um, I think there's a lot in there that is. I I do the gallery blood test for the early detection of cancer. I'm a big believer in the clearly coronary CTA for heart, you know, for heart health and vascular health. And he talks about both of those. Um, but, you know, Tony's and then, and then Dr. Atia's book, um, Outlive, are in a similar realm of taking ownership, diet and exercise, nutrition, spirituality, sleep, uh, relationships, being proactive, not waiting for someone else to tell you what to yeah. do. Um, you know, Dr. Atia is, he is so smart and I got um, introduced to him in you know, 2010 he, he just by know. my good buddy, uh, Blake mm -hmm. Miller, orthopedic surgeon, trauma surgeon that was, uh, three years younger than me. I was actually his chief resident and, you know, he was the one that really started talking to me about, um, ketosis and, um, you know, keto type mm -hmm. diets and, um, mm -hmm. started kind of throwing out the terms intermittent fasting and things like that. So yeah, Peter Atia, mm -hmm. he, he, he's a stud. In that in this world yeah yeah he's my hero yeah he's my hero so personal stuff so i'm ready you have a beautiful wife susan you have two beautiful awesome young active boys marco and dominic um what do you guys again blacksburg is kind of a seasonal area so you're probably not getting snow and if you do get snow it's not too thick what are some of kind of your, your Christmas, we just came out of the Christmas season, Christmas slash New Year's traditions that you guys do together as a family? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, the the holidays are different now. Uh, and, and part of this is is a little, um, I don't want to say emotional for me, but um, it's a little bit different. You know, I, I feel like very much a family guy, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a father. Uh, first, I, I, I love hanging out with my family. You know, my, uh, we don't have any family in Blacksburg. Um, we know to, as I was thinking, you know, when you were saying about taking your boys, you know, one boy and going somewhere, you know, we have, we have, have to get a babysitter, you know, we have to get someone to stay, you know, so, so Karen tonight. doesn't so go with me, just me, by the way, it's know. just, Oh, no, Karen it's just, it's just okay. me. Now we're yeah. talking. Now I think you could do it, right? Okay. It's just it's a daddy but, son yeah. date. Yep. Okay, I got you. So, but either way, you know, we so the the holiday traditions are not the same as they were when I was growing up. You know, when I grew up, we'd always have twenty, thirty beatos and fields and family, you know, family get-togethers, and so, um, you know, the 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 um. But, you know, I've, I've seen my parents get older. We've all gotten older, right? But so we're having some family uh, health issues and, and sort of reminded me like, man, I'm not I'm not up in Rochester. Um, I'm, you know, the holidays, it was great to be able to get up there. But I but I don't haven't normally done that. You know, we've we have our, our family, you know, the four of us here in Blacksburg. Yeah, you're creating and, your own new um, traditions, you know, creating our new traditions, but um, still having to. Um, keep in mind family and, and those old traditions. So the current the current um, sort of standard tradition to get together with Susan's family uh, every other uh, we kind of alternate Thanksgiving and New Year's. And so that's brought us to Erie a, a few times over the last 10 years. And then 
down to Florida uh, alternating years. So it's, it's always great to get the cousins together. And um, this year we hosted Thanksgiving. So that was, you know, to answer your question, I mean, this year we had all the all uh, three of uh, Susan's sisters and uh, your number one fan and his wife um, here in town uh, for a few nights. And that was that was super great. So it's, it's great to have that always every every winter time. We know we're going to have the Ghana crew together, um, which is fun. You know, New Year's Eve. I've never been a big New Year's yeah. Eve guy. I'm not sure I made it to midnight in college, uh, <laughs> let alone uh, at our at our grain age. I did this year because Marco was um, insistent. I don't did, did you did Anthony want to stay up? Did they insist on staying so up? So we were um, I, I same Greg, never been huge into New Year's Eve. My family always had a party, like my parents. So I think you maybe have gone to one of those. I, I yeah. went one year. Yeah, I remember going. So it was one mainly year. like my parents and, and friends from church at St. Hippolytes. There's another shout out for you, Allie and Jay, to, to plug shout in out. there. Maybe put a picture of St. Hippolytes Church here. Uh, just great people. And, Shout out to Jesus. Um, but n- I never, ever went anywhere for New Year's Eve. Never had the desire yeah. to. It's just like, why? Yeah, I'd rather agreed. be home and then I can just crawl yeah. into bed. So this year, we the past several years, we've gone to my good buddy, Bill Spiros, and his wife, Amanda Spiros. They have four kids. Um, and they would have you know maybe four or five couples over, and we'd do it there. We'd stay, and then we'd... Do you only hang out with Greek people? You would think so by, by this. He's not only a good okay. friend, but he's like my, my my personal attorney too. So, And then his wife. Oh, good, good. Keep your yeah. attorney close. Yeah. And his wife is, uh, Especially you. she does interior design work and stuff like that. She's helped me with projects over the years. But um, this year we actually, we finished our basement, which next time you're in your area, you'll have to stop by. So it's a great space. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys are always down here i had to close the door so that they wouldn't be at the basketball hoop um but um i'm in the wine room right now so we decided hey we're gonna do a um party here this year now that we have this basement so we actually invited the spiros over we invited the the, then you have to stay up well so stacy and pete (laughs) came out from michigan we we did our thing and i think we stayed up too too late the night before pete and i we were up till 2 a.m and and Classic. both of us were sleeping Classic. by 11 o'clock and the Spiros has never made it over. Yep. So. <laughs> yep. Classic. Yeah. That first night overdoing it. The yeah, first they night. came that's, into town Saturday classic. and we're like, Hey, you, you want a cocktail? And next thing you know, it just yep. spiraled. Yep. So next thing you know, it's 2 AM. Yep. Yeah. So, so we don't, we don't usually do much for new year's, um, new year's Eve, but you know, the, a lot of the traditions of the, the Blacksburg Beatos, uh, surround traveling, you know, surround sports, you know, same thing, Dominic day, Marco day. We've done some pretty cool things, gone to some, some neat places. So, so I'm going to kind of steal your question to me, the travel question. So what do, uh, the Beato family clan, whatever you want to call them, uh, have in store for 2024, any big trips? Yeah. Yeah. So we were just, Susan and I were just talking about this. Um, you know, we don't, do well with planning full weeks. You know, I, I personally, in my job, I like to do long weekends, two or three nights, you know, Friday to Monday um, in general. So we have, we have a bunch. I mean, that's kind of like your, you know, some games and things like that on yeah. your trips. Um, Susan and I, we've, we've gotten into, um, I think this is really important. Um, you know, I think it's important to uh, 
take time for yourself a little bit. And, and to me, golf is my one thing that I kind of do uh, largely try to play once a week with my buddies and, and stuff. Obviously, the, the boys play, Susan plays, so that's nice as well. But um, the last few years, we've taken a trip, uh, just Susan and me, with another couple. Um, and so we've been going to Sandals Resort. Uh, this will be our third year. We're going to Exuma for, uh, in May for, I think, five nights. It's a golf resort uh, that Beaches owns with a really, really great high-level golf course in Exuma. Awesome. Um, so we're going with, with uh, our neighbors, the Browns. Uh, um, so that'll be our third trip. The families went to Turks and Caicos a couple years ago. Um, they have two kids about the same age as Dominic and Marco. And so the eight of us went and shared a place. That was amazing. And we'll probably do that again. Um, but the following year, uh, we went to Jamaica. And then this year, we're going to Exuma. Nice. Um, I would say that's the that's the only like big trip that we have planned. Um, we've been one of the one of the Christmas presents to the boys. We, um, you know, we don't want they don't want for much, uh, which is great. Um, but also, I don't believe in just spending money just to spend money. And and when you ask your boys like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And they don't have things readily. You know, like I remember when I was growing up, I had a bunch of stuff. And so asking my kids this year, they were all, oh, I don't know. Dominic said, surprise me. And I'm like, really? We don't have a Christmas list? You don't have a list for Santa? No, no. And then Marco, you know, said VR at the end. But so I decided to give them a list of activities, sort of like adventures or activities. Um, so we named like eight or 10, you know, go to Bush Gardens. <laughs> Um, Great Wolf Lodge, go to uh, a baseball game, NFL game, you know, a list of about eight things and had them choose one. And so they've each chosen chosen one. And, and so we're going to try to now we're working on the details. Um, and so I was going to say earlier when we were talking about baseball, um, we may go to Pittsburgh for a Pirates Cardinals baseball yeah. game. Um, and I'll let you all know if, if it's on a weekend and you know, the stars aligned. We'd love to have the Mollies down, might get together with the Stemfers. Um, yeah, they'd be fun. You know, Garrett and Tara, they, they've they made it down to Blacksburg, actually. Oh, Tara. Uh, now I get had you. Had a great yeah. time. No, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. I, yeah, had a great time. We always do a Steelers game. And again, that's because Karen doesn't care. She went last two years ago. She didn't go this year um, to a Steelers game. But uh I take all the boys. That's collectively. And then Luca, for his special day last year, um, we went to a Pirates game, him and I, and we spent the night down in Pittsburgh. So. Yeah, PNC Park is, is super fun. We've been there before, but um, the Marco and Dominic haven't. So uh, I think Dominic chose a major league game, and I think Marco I think Marco wants to go to Great Wolf Wolf Lodge. Have you ever – do you know yeah. Great Wolf yep. Lodge? Is, are there more of those, or is it just, just the one indoor water that's bar. At, in Ohio? There's a bunch. No, there's a okay. bunch of them. There's one in uh, Williamsburg. There's one in Charlotte. Those are the two closest. But we're not necessarily married to going to either of those. I actually think there's some sort of water park, Great Wolf Lodge like hotel in Pittsburgh. Um, so we were thinking about maybe making it two or three nights and, and doing both of those. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we don't. You know the when the. Um, when the fall starts, so I start covering women's soccer end of August, and then you know really covering soccer and basketball. We don't we don't really 
I don't like to miss too much of right. those games. I'm not against missing one or so, but you know, I can't, I can't miss much. Um, we'll do a golf trip. Um, my buddies will do a top, we call it top 100, um, eight person golf trip in the, in the early fall. Um, and I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm planning that one this year. Better get on it. Haven't, haven't picked the choice. Yeah. I haven't picked the destination yet. We went to Pebble beach a couple months ago. That was amazing. Um, for for 2023's top 100 so so my last personal yep. question is um kind of going back to italy our trip there what was if you could just go through your whole family if you know them but like what was your favorite memory from that trip your favorite location meal whatever it may be susan and then marco and dominic Whew. i think i know one of them at least <sighs> probably yours well obviously golfing at marco <laughs> yeah. simone golf golf course you know that's the that's a low, low, uh, low riding fruit. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was special. I mean, I, you know, watching the Ryder cup about a year later with, um, with your house you know, and my, my house, I said, well, I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy this one. Greg, yep. you can buy that yep. one. Yep. Well, the, the golf course looked, uh, a lot different it did. Um, when they played the, when they played the tournament, thankfully, because it was obviously not ready when we right. played it, but, um, you know, that, that, that was pretty special. I mean, my son, Marco, you know, Marco Simone, you know, he had a great time. Uh, that was just, that was just really neat. Um, you know, as a, as a big golfer, um, you know, it'd be kind of cool. You know, I, I um, Jay, you'll be listening. Marco's a pretty good little golfer. Obviously Jay is a, is a very, very good golfer. I mean, he was a golf pro there for years. If, if you have any videos of Marco just swinging a club, cause he's got a great, beautiful swing. Yeah. Send that to Jay as one of the assets. Cause he'll ask you for stuff yeah. and put that in there. Cause that, that would be really okay. cool. Yeah. You may even have one from yeah, Marco, we've got some or, pictures for from sure. uh, Marcus Simone. I, oh yeah. Marcus that'd be Simone. a kind of cool one. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a neat, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the, the language barrier of trying to get, are we riding? Are we walking? If we're walking, <laughs> we need some sort of trolley. They call them trolleys. And, you know, then we get the, then, then Dr. Molly, you know, of course pays for the upgrade of the remote controlled trolley. And I think Marco might've been more excited about using that than, um, than the golf, but. Well, I didn't fun. want to walk to begin with. Um, and then they didn't have enough carts, right? They were, they were like out of carts. It, it, and that's a that's a European yeah. thing, you know. I mean, they don't they don't usually use use uh, carts. I was I'm on a I'm on like a listserv on Facebook, and and someone wrote something about a rain delay or uh, cart path only. You're like such and such. Don't you think that when you check in, they should tell you before you pay that it's cart path only? And some guy wrote in. He's like, I'm from England. What does cart path only mean? Because <laughs> they don't they don't have carts. Like they don't. That's not a thing. Um, you know, so anyway, I, I mean, that was a great, great moment, but not, you know, that that was a unique opportunity. And, and we almost weren't able to play because they aerated. And um, so that that was cool. I, I, I really enjoyed the um, the dinners that we had sort of at the houses catered or, or yeah. made. And the, yeah, the, the, the one that was the best. And I and I feel like. Um, the views are, you know, Amalfi and all, all three. I mean, it was amazing. Obviously, the Rome house didn't have much of a view, but the, that food, that whole, that spread was amazing. Um, you know, Rome, Rome is a very um, busy, 
a lot of graffiti. Like it's unfortunate that it's sort of turned into this big city. But, you know, you and I, we haven't talked a lot about Rome, but I really had a great time at that dinner. Um, I'll never forget the outdoor uh, seating at the other well, two places. You and I sat next to each other. I've got a photo. It's actually, when you watch your podcast, it's the photo of you and I in that podcast. It plays every time at the beginning of my podcast. And that, that was one of my favorite dinners. In yep. Rome? Yep. Which the one? last yep. night that we were there and we went out to dinner. Yep. We had that really, really long and, table yep. and it was cool. Yep. Yep. You know, in, in Italy is is um, just special in in general, and you know, I, I know the the quest on uh, for your family. You know, I, I actually when 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 we were sitting in here and, and talking about that, I kind of was like, all right, that'll be good, you know. But I thought with the mayor and the old mayor coming, like that was just un that was just the way it worked out. You couldn't have planned it better. Like obviously you've you planned a bunch, yeah. But um, the way it worked out was just just nuts. I mean, I you you were you were talking to people. We were at that. Corner, well, I mean, they had my grandfather know. coming from a totally different town. They're like, nah, he's not from here. He's not from here. And then we got into those old ledgers and books, and and I'll I'll include that, Jay. There's a photo of uh, as Greg's referring to the current mayor of Comano and the previous mayor from Comano, whose last name is Leary, L E R I. And that is my grandmother's maiden name. So um, there's definitely got to be some type of connection. And then when we got up into the mountains, and, or even there, we saw my great-grandfather's, um, you know, uh, not, his, not his tombstone, but what would you call that? Like a mausoleum? Like plaque? Yeah. yeah. Um, we saw that, and there yeah. was a photo of him on there. And that's really what connected it, because I showed a photo of that to a Cesare a Leary, and he says, I know this man. I know where he lived. I've been in his house. And um, prior to me showing him that little photo that my cousin sent me, I think we were at a dead end. But And that, that lunch, I think, was one of my... Oh, I didn't... I don't think I realized yeah. that. But yeah, that lunch was amazing. I mean, we could still be there eating. Yeah, we wouldn't right fit out now. the doors. But the, the food was just amazing there. And then I kind of liked my time. You and I, we went to uh, Cinque Terre. We had a day to to hike with Giacomo. I, I, I should probably check on him, make sure oh, he's still yeah. um, with us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Walking up yeah. those, all those steps, but you better hope he is. <laughs> what about, uh, yeah, that was pretty Susan neat. and, uh, the, the boys, what did they like? Oh man. I mean, I know Dominic would say pizza and gelato, you know, that one's, that one's pretty easy. Um, you know, Marco, um, and, you know, they love throwing the football, even though every single every single time we went out there, it ended in crop tears. And, and You're going to get that with five boys their age. Boy. That's just standard. Bo- well, I get it with two boys. Yeah. So it's that standard operating procedure for for that. But, I mean, going to throwing and playing, throwing the football and playing football. On, the Borghese uh, Gardens. Oh, man. Now, I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll Borghese. have to put a photo from that um, in there because that was freaking amazing. We're playing where they used to have like chariot and horse races i mean this is thousands of years old this isn't like 50 years old like here in the united states yeah that was really cool yeah that was that was americans uh stupid americans invading ancient rome uh <laughs> guard roman gardens but um but that was really fun i mean marco loves doing that for sure um you know susan what would susan say i mean i know she loved amalfi and, and cinque terra and just the 
the scenery and, and uh, the train trips. Um, you know, we, we uh, one of my memories is uh, coming from the top of uh, Posa, po- Positano, Positano down to Amalfi, like through that. Oh, no. Very no, Positano was, was where we had lunch, where we saw Denzel. We stayed up in Ravello. We walked from Ravello down in... Ravello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ravello and, down. And by the yeah. way, if you guys haven't um, watched it yet, you and Susan, I sent you guys that photo we, from... Um, oh. uh, what's the Denzel movie? Uh, not... The, um, the Energizer. I was going to um, say Expendables. No, that's that's uh, Sylvester Stallone, not Energizer Bunny. Equalizer. Equalizer 3. Yeah, that yeah. church that we walked into, kind of when we got almost down to the ground level. Remember we looked in there? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. church is shown so many different times, and in there's there? scenes inside it. Oh. And then we have, like, oh. I took a picture of your family with that in the background. I took a picture of, or yep. you guys took a picture of our family with that in the background. That that was a really cool little, it felt yeah. like we were never going to come to the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, I, I know that that would not probably be her um, favorite memory of struggling down there. She was kind of had a bum knee uh, in in that um, in that. But I, you know, she loves gelato. She loves wine. She loves eating the you know the new things that she hadn't done before. Certainly, I don't think she'd been to Amalfi or, or Mount Vesuvius and Pompeii. I mean that that's pretty that was pretty uh, pretty unique. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Well, so Greg, we're going to get into what we call the seventh inning sawbones shoe stretch. So, um, people that know right. me know that I'm a, I'm a bit of a sneakerhead, particularly Jordan sneakers. Um, so, what are you wearing, Greg? What do you got on tonight? Well, so I, I thought long and hard about about this. Actually, not really. It was very very um, easy. <laughs> so golf shoes. The um, well, Susan did buy me a pair of Jordan Low golf shoes. I think very similar to what you wore at Marco Simone, uh, but I haven't worn them okay. yet, so I didn't wear them. Uh, one of the trends in basketball for ACC and for and, and I think in business is wearing sort of dress sneakers yeah. to work or you know sneakers dress dress shoes dress sneakers to basketball games, and so I I got the um, Jordan Low. Oh, uh, those are the Bordeaux. Yeah, Bordeaux, very good. With the yeah, train. I had that pair. Um, and the, the but it, it, the significance to me, you know, when I was growing up, and I, I know you're all the, you're the same way. Um, you know, Jordans came out, and they were they were, you know, I, I didn't even ask my parents no, for that. I, I mean, no one's spending like, at that time 125 bucks for sneakers. The rich kids yeah, got those. Yeah, but, it wasn't no. an option. I don't even know that I knew anyone that had them, honestly. In the late '80s, early '90s, Jared Oaks and um, Nathan Smith and, were the only two people well, that I knew. Well, Jared, yeah, Jared was about the only one. Yep, he had multiple pairs. But um, so, as a team doc for men's basketball, and and just kind of a, uh, you know, I love shoes. I love clothes in general. I, I mean, I might have 150 golf shirts. Um, it's. I can use that as an excuse to buy some some fancy some fancy shoes because I gotta you know I gotta look good at the at the basketball games. Um, these are the the, the Bordeaux colors, kind of Virginia Tech, sort of that Chicago maroon. Um, so I, I feel like these shoes tie 
tie together a bunch of different aspects of, of sort of my, you know, fascination with Jordans, but, you know, never had a pair. Um, I forget that discount pay less. Yeah. You ever go to oh, pay yeah. less? I bought, we, I had a, I had the blacks, uh, like Jordan fives or something like that with the black and the red on the pat. You know, they were like $13 at Payless. So you did have um, a pair of Jordans that you bought at Payless? So, oh, they were not Jordans. They were, <laughs> they were like J- Jordans. J- Jordash they were like, is what we call those. Yeah, they were Jordans with a G, <laughs> G-O-R. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I just, I, in all kidding aside, like, you know, we've come a long ways where we can, you know, I, these still weren't, they're not $500 sure. Jordans, but they're, they're not cheap. And, um, you know, it, it ties together kind of where we've been, where we're going, where we're at and, and being able to wear them for basketball games. And, um, you know, I, I wear a, a few other kind of dress sneakers to work at times. And, um, you know, it's it, it's um, still a little bit of a problem buying too many shoes, but I'm talking to you. So what, what could yeah, be too exactly. many? Yeah, exactly. I, I Maybe need to have Susan talk to Karen and you about what's too yeah. Many well, I still got some open bins, so we we aren't at the too many stage yet. I don't have to order new bins, but I don't. But my bins, it's a bin problem. That's not it, a shoe yeah, problem. Yeah, so I don't have. I'm bins. over fifty with my Jordans now, um, but yeah, I ha- I, oh. I have the Bordeaux. I think I'm at like fifty two, Greg. Yeah, it's bad. But um, so I'm also wearing a pair of Jordan ones. Lowe's, he's still. <laughs> Check his blood pressure, folks. Um, you said 52, 52 right? Five, like a deck of cards. Okay. Um, and you tell people that. Okay. <laughs> um, these are Jordan 1 lows. Um, <laughs> are they orange? Well, these are the uh, reverse reverse red. bread. So bread just means black, red, the kind of the Chicago colorway. Oh. And it's just the okay. in- inversion of what the original um, was when, when they came out. So these are the re- reverse breads. And... Yeah, they're comfy. So I, I love the whole Jordan yeah. line. Um, I, we, we've talked about it many times, but huge influence for yeah. kind of both of us. The era that we grew up, um, I, I, I um, really do a tribute. I've had a lot of people ask me about my fascination with Michael Jordan. And, you know, it, it was, yes, he was awesome on the court, but it was his competitiveness. And even today, I was coaching one of uh, Tino's teams. And after the game, Karen came over and she goes, should we check your blood pressure? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm like, you're going to want to give it a couple minutes and, you know, like it or love it or hate it. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty high energy guy. I'm passionate. And, um, that, that's my style. And, um, to be anything other than that would not be genuine or authentic. And I'm, yeah. I'm proud of these little guys. They're four and oh, um, they're, they're playing really well. They're playing well as a team, moving the ball. And uh, just playing really good defense too. Do they pass? They, do your kids they, pass? They the do. Um, we we've put in not a ton of complicated plays, but more uh, to learn con- concepts like a motion offense, just like the the concepts of picking and rolling, right? Just like classic fundamental yeah. basketball. Keep it yep. simple. The kiss yep. principle. So, I so let me ask you this: Do you have a VHS player in your house? Are you able to watch? A, a video. Um, I currently, I, th- I think up until recently, I would have been able to say yes, 
but it, we purged so much stuff when we cleaned our uh, finished our basement because it was all storage. And the reason I ask is, you know, you're talking about Jordan. Um, when I was home in Rochester, my parents have like four of them and like <laughs> hundreds of videotapes. And my dad's like, "Oh, you know, go look at what you, you know, take whatever you want." I'm like, "Dad, I don't have a way. I don't. I can't play these." You should get so I, I look at them and. Well, he has a thing that converts them too. Yeah. So anyway, but they don't throw anything yeah, away. Neither do my parents. Like, you know, that's just a thing. So anyway, so Marco and I were down there and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to hook up this VHS and cause I open up this bin and come fly with me. Uh, original oh, Michael Jordan dog. come fly with me is there. And I'm like, I'm watching this. You are watching yeah. this. So I had to go through like two of the three uh, VCRs are broken. <laughs> I'm like that. Why do you have this? Is the one that we had like the original from 1982 where the cord for the remote physically or it, it, oh, it had a corded remote, yeah, 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 a corded remote. I, I gave this to Marco. I said, What do you think this is? So, anyway, so we watched a good which watched 75% probably of Come Fly With Me. Um, I had the Larry Bird and Red Auerbach uh, fundamentals teaching fundamentals of basketball. I don't know if you ever watched that one, that's a great one. Um, and then the second uh, Michael Jordan uh, just Space Jam video. Uh, no, there was another Michael Jordan like highlight reel video that came after Come Fly With okay. Me. Um, so we had that one as well. But yeah, those are just, I mean, I, I watched them those dozens and dozens yeah, of Yeah, I'm times. surprised they, they still work because you probably wore them out while you were a kid. Yeah, though, it did. It did. They, they all did. It was crazy. Yeah. So. Well, Greg, um, again, normally we would kind of do the, the Sawbones Challenge, which would be fun, especially with you, because you're competitive, I'm competitive. Typically, what we would do in the past... I still want to do it. Let's do something. Well, we'll do something, but it won't be physically competitive. But, like, unless you got a basketball hoop there, and we can play, like, virtual pig, and you shoot on one hoop, I shoot on one hoop. He's looking around. That's a little yeah. dark. It's a little dark. So one thing that I've done in the past for the Sawbones Challenge um, to make it a little bit more fun, and you're an NBA guy, I'm an NBA guy, at least we're at one point. Um, What we've done is kind of like virtual lineups. And my first buddy, Bill Spiros, he was so unfair about it. He's like, I'm going to name my top five. And and they had to be like positional players, right? And then I had to pick mine. I'm like, well, you picked all the top five, and now I have to. Right. You got to go every other. So uh, I'm as as the guest. I'm going to let you pick first. We'll go through each of the positions: point guard through center, and you can play like small ball if you want to. And but you have to remember that you, whoever you pick for, say your point guard, has to match up against my point guard. So y- you may think, well, this is a great point guard, but would they really match up well against who I'm going to pick? Any era? Oh yeah, like any any time. era. So that uh, they could be alive, dead, current. Retired, whatever. Mm. But you go first with point guard. Okay. So I, I'm. I think we're both a little traditionalists in in a lot of this, uh, aka old. Um, I like a point guard that distributes um, and is a great shooter, but distributes. I like a pass first point guard. Okay. Um, I think it's fun if I say who you're not going to choose then. You're not going to pick Magic Johnson because he couldn't shoot that well. But right. he was pass first. 
Um, and you're not going to pick yep. Steph Curry because he can pass, but he's a shoot first yep. point guard. So who are you picking? Yeah, Bob I don't Cousy? even know if I consider him a point guard. Well, he's good. Um, I know how he died. Did I didn't realize uh, that he died. I thought he was. Oh yeah, he died. At, he had a heart attack in the YMCA gym when he. You're was not centered in the camera, 50s. though, Greg. Yeah, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm just. I'm. I'm struggling right here. I'm, I want to. This is very important. Um, First pick out of the gates. John Stockton has never been a first pick. Never. And uh, we've done this a lot of his times. Life. His name's never been in, uh, mentioned ever. Yeah. Solid defender. Mm-hmm. Pass first for sure, but he could hit the three, right? If he's open, he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a big fan of his distributing because there's only one ball. Yeah. Yep. Um this is going to take longer than your MDVIP or your osteopathic. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm used to going slow. <laughs> I've slowed down big time. I've slowed down big time. Um, I'm going to take. He's on his computer I'm looking up take, best point guards of all time um, right now. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm going to take John Stockton. Okay. Um, I'm going Steph Curry. I'm writing him down. I'm going Steph Curry. And then what, what Jay will do is he'll actually put them up here kind of side by side. You know, and I, I figured you would take MJ just so that as a point guard. Just no, so you I, could I'm going to try to stick to like most natural position for the players. Positions. Um, yeah. But I, again, I'm a huge Steph fan. I, I would agree. I'm a, more of a traditionalist yeah. with the, the, the whole style of game. But like, I just think he yeah. has revolutionized the game and particularly the point guard position because he's, no doubt. he's definitely a shoot yeah. first point guard, but he can distribute as well. So now, but if he, if he was on a team that you're putting together, he wouldn't shoot as correct. much. He would know his role, right? I mean, he can make up, he, he can, do, he can create. He's, he's a little bit like, of a liability on defense. I think John Stockton would be better than him defensively than he will have a hard time with he, John Stockton. He would, but I also think John Stockton would have a little bit hard time with with. Oh yeah, because yes. it's a it's a different era and style of basketball, and 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 Steph can shoot over big guys, so he's easily going to be able to shoot over over Stockton. But so my as now it goes to me right for number two. So see how I did that. Uh, <laughs> you I get, get it. it. Yep, yep. Very nice. Game over. Yep. Do I even need to say his name? His airness. No. So. Yeah, MJ is going to be my shooting guard. No explanations needed. Um, you got to find somebody that can lock him down. See, the problem is, the problem. Yeah, we need some. We need a defender. Um, the problem is, you've been you've done this. You've been thinking <laughs> about this. Uh, oh, I, I got Kobe. Yeah, no, yeah that's yeah, a great one. That's if that's you would have picked, Kobe. yeah, yeah. That's if clear, it would have been some cut. different scenario, yeah, I think that's a great. Again, no explanations needed. It's yep. like the best versus probably God, top three. Would you not pay to see the two of them uh, go at it? I mean, like in their prime. Have you ever watched those videos where they would show like Jordan doing a move and then Kobe doing the exact same move? And then they go, it was a mm-hmm. fadeaway. Then I'm it was this it. move. Then it was that move. It was about two minutes long. You can YouTube yeah. it. It is un-freaking yeah. believable. It was almost like. They the, the defenders were almost in the same position, and they both did the exact same thing. Now, obviously, Jordan played before 
Well, you know Kobe. You know Kobe. Yeah, and and that, he admitted to it, that, right? He know? said, "I modeled my game after yeah. Jordan," and and he did it like mm. no other player, right? He emulated his game. Yeah. So, but now you get your your small forward or your three guard, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it. All right, uh, I'm big on shooters. We need this is a shooting league outside threes. Jordan was not an awesome no. three point shooter, you know, very streaky, average. right? Even, I mean, that, a, there was that one game against a, the Portland right. Trail Blazers. He hit yeah. six threes, but that was very, very, very yeah. unusual for yeah. him. Most he would ever hit would be two or three in a game. Yep. yep. So, uh, and and Kobe in his own right wasn't that all, you know would not be considered a great three point right. shooter. I would say he shot um, he definitely shot more than Jordan, made more than Jordan, but the league had started to change at that point where he needed to. Yep. But they were probably similar in terms of like their ability to shoot a three. I, I kind of put them the same. But I think Kobe. I got Kevin Durant. Wow. That, Kevin that's going to be a tough one because he's really, really tall. Because I, it, and I don't want him at power forward. Yeah, no. I, I don't know what his natural – like, he doesn't really have a natural position. So really. He can get 10, 12 I'm, rebounds. I'm going to go here, um, and this is very traditional. Um, I'm going Larry. Uh, it would be an interesting matchup. Um, yeah. You know, you could put Larry at the three or the four, but I'm going to put him there just because I think I'm going to need something a little big, bigger, stronger. Um, he's like six. Yeah, he's big. He's ish, big, but Larry he's Bird. like white big. Right, like he's not going to jump out of the gym at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite frankly, barely going to get off the floor. Um, yeah, he dunked that thing. But once. but a shooter. No, he could dunk. And, and just yeah. I, I, that would be an interesting so matchup. You, the, you know what I like about him is even though maybe he's he's definitely not near the athlete that Kevin Durant is, but I think that he would be able to match up against him because he played old style physical and is a yeah, trash physical. talker. Biggest trash talker ever in the yep. league, I think. Yep. All yep. right. So my my four um, my power forward. I'm gonna go with Carl Malone. Oh, okay. Yeah. You want to split him up? You don't want him. No. To you can't be like me picking Scotty. I, I almost did that, but I needed more of a shooter. That's why I went with. Larry. I, I thought that's where I thought you were going. Yeah. All right, I've got um, um, uh, Tim Duncan. Yeah, solid choice. I mean, I think he's the best power forward yeah. of all time. Very, very fundamental. No offense, Kevin McHale or pick your pick yeah your or Carl Malone, right? He, I mean, both of those guys are very, very fundamental. Yeah. But like, I think his and play longevity. I mean, he was in the league for, what, 20 years? At least very close to that if it wasn't. All yeah. right, you get the last pick. Center. Center. Center is um, – let me look at the – Let me look at the computer here, see who it spits out with with the uh, analytics on this, right? Is that what you're doing right now? Just fantasy football draft. Just uh, auto draft. I just auto drafted this. They did, auto draft did not come up with John Stockton. <laughs> no, I can, I can his name promise. wasn't even on the on the available list of players to draft. Uh, mm, I want I want someone to fit in. Yeah, that's it too, right? You got to know your role, have some chemistry there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, Kobe and Kevin Durant, KD are going to dominate the ball. So. Uh, 
Wemby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in a couple of years, you may not be. Not you may not be joking about Maybe that. Maybe five years, I might not yeah. be kidding. Put him and Kevin Durant, the All City yeah. team. Um, give me Hakeem Elijah. Oh, that was going to be. I was thinking of going there, um, and this may be a bad. Well, I just like shooters. Like that dude oh. with him and Tim couldn't Duncan. Him. How would you defend? Yeah, you couldn't defend him, especially when he would do the the dream and, and, shake. Yeah, they don't need to be shooting threes. Jay, if you could put the you dream know, shake I, I'm in there. I'm a traditionalist. Right? Yep. I don't want my center shooting threes. So I like that. Okay. Too. Um, well, I think it's going to be. It, it's going to change now that you picked him because he was pretty athletic, too. He, he, could, he could get around somebody pretty quickly. You were going to pick Bill Cartwright? Yeah, no, I'm going to branch else. out a little bit. Um, I'm, I was either, I, I usually go with one of three when I've done this before. It's either Shaq, um, Kareem or Wilt. Um, I've thought about doing, I think maybe I did do Hakeem last time actually, but, um, I'm going to do, I'm going to do Shaq for this one. Big physical, you know, he's not going to okay. come out on the perimeter. So you got those other guys that can shoot as many threes as they want. So I don't, I just, the, the conversation, I mean, it's really talk, you know, talk, uh, sports talk radio conversation of <coughs> comparing eras to eras. Like how, how, I mean, Wilt would not dominate now. He's not even seven foot yeah. tall. Like he wouldn't, you know, like it's hard. He was a to, man amongst boys. It's hard to compare Bill Russell. I mean, like I'll take Bill Russell's skill set when he was, in his prime and what he was doing to them, but he's not going to, you know, you look at Carl Malone and Shaq and the, that physicality on, on your back line. Um, you know, none of those old, old school centers would have much to do. No, with, they get tossed around like ragdolls. Um, I do think, and yeah. I mean, I'm obviously biased because my, he's my favorite player, but I do think you put Jordan in his prime currently. Cause everybody's like, Oh, the athletes oh, are yeah. better. Yeah, they definitely are better, but, he would still be, in my opinion. But there's put, no one more athletic than him. 30 points up. I think you could make an yeah. argument with LeBron, but I think LeBron's even just more physical because he's he's physically taller, he's bigger, oh, yeah. stronger. But like yep. Jordan's yep. speed, his defensive ability. And the biggest thing with him, though, was his competitiveness. There was nobody. I think yeah, yeah, it's Co- Kobe's the only person that I think is even in the same conversation with his, like, Yep. will to win and not lose so yep. well that'd be fun if we could yeah i covered high school i've been in lower marion where kobe you know obviously went right. to high school i covered that was in the philadelphia area um have you did y'all played did, what was the lower marion story um story did you guys so, play them uh, or are they bigger my well, a couple. My best friend in college, Jeff Mon- or uh, med school, Jeff Montgomery. Um, he's a primary care physician in Scranton now. He went to LeCom, uh, but he played against Kobe in the Eastern Conference Finals, the game to go to Hershey. And then Keith okay. Meese uh, played at Mercyhurst, went to Cathedral Prep. They played yeah. Kobe at Hershey for the state championship. 
Okay. And Keith, I definitely need to reach out to but him. But didn't your parents like go to Hershey we, all the we time? We did. That was our family trip. We would go to Hershey every single oh, year. Oh, And okay. um, that was uh, we didn't go to Florida or this or that. We, it was kind of like you guys. We would do long weekends, and that was one of our our trips. Was uh, every year we go to Hershey. So yeah. Well, Greg, cool. this was a lot of fun. All I can say is this is uh, a lot of fun catching up. Um. Definitely, definitely, definitely want to pin you down for a red carpet episode because I think you have so much to to offer uh, from your years of primary care, uh, sports med experience, but more like the, the business side of things, right? Like that independent private practice and the MDVIP spend too, I think it's so unique and so valuable, but I think that's what people are looking more and more for as, as we move forward too. Yep, yep. Well, physicians have come along. I mean, we've spent a lot of money, a lot of time. You know, it, it's so frustrating to me to see friends of mine, colleagues be miserable and be unhappy. And 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 then you feel like they're punching a clock to go home and get out of there. And, and, and it's it's too bad. Like High, we, highest suicide rate in the country is physicians did. now. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. So there's other ways of, of trying to enjoy your work and your calling. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big, a big, happy, ha- very happy to, to get with that. Awesome. Well, in closing, um, I always ask one final question of all my, my guests is where do you see Greg Beato in five and 10 years? And I know a lot of my guests are kind of similar age to us. So kids almost dictate mm-hmm. that question a bit, but wh- where do you see yourself in five and 10 years? I hear, I mean, I see myself at Blacksburg, Virginia, um, I see myself retiring from medical associates, you know, down the road. I, I don't see myself. I would be shocked if I'm not still working at medical associates in five and 10 years. If you're not, or uh, if you are 10, if I am, it, I will be shocked if I'm not still working at medical, associates. Okay. you know, 10 years from now, I'll be 54. Um, I imagine it'll be pretty, pretty much the same. I, I don't know that I'll do Virginia Tech forever. Um, you know, 10 years from now, well, let's say five years from now, Marco will be 16, Dominic uh, 14, uh, probably still doing the same Virginia Tech, MDVIP. You know, I, I think that Virginia Tech would be um, uh, the one variable in my job that I might give up. Um, just because of the time as your boys are getting older too, um, nights and weekends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that if, if I had two children that weren't so involved in athletics and and loving athletics, it would be hard for me to do the Virginia tech piece, uh, and take so much time away from, away from my family. Um, so I, I could see probably 10 years not doing that, you know, they'll be out of the house. Um, you know, so somewhere between five and 10 years left of doing of doing Virginia tech. I really enjoy it. And, and, and there's a lot of perks to it and benefits, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it almost feels, I don't want to say boring, but kind of cliche to just be, to, to say that I, I feel like I'll still be in the same place, but I think that just goes to show, um, that I'm very happy with, with our, with our life and, and our location and our house and our, you know, choices that we've yeah. made. No, that's great. That's a great position to be in. Um, I'm pretty much the same, right? I mean, a lot of it yeah. dictates is dictated by your kids and 
but also your happiness. And um, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, definitely would not be employed at any point. I would be a horrible, horrible <laughs> employee. Probably the worst ever. But um... again, you mean <laughs> it wouldn't? It didn't work yeah. out before. It's not going. Yeah, there is a zero chance, zero chance that I would sell my practice to to a, a, a corporation. I mean, that's that's not even in my thought process. Yeah. I mean, well, Greg, thank you again. Um, always great talking to you, connecting with you. Uh, we definitely need to plan a trip down to Blacksburg. And if, um, you guys are up in the area, uh, later for any baseball games or anything like that, obviously reach out to us. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not hard to pick up where we left off, you know, Ryan, it's always, it's always great catching up and, and, um, you know, let's, I like to get up to Cockwell this summer. Let's make it happen. Take some money. Take for your money. sure. Let's make it happen. All right. Well, thank you, Greg. All right, my man. Thanks so much. Okay, yep. Take care. Thanks for having me. Tell me all about it, Doc.